Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is October 10th, 2021. My name is Eric Peters and joining me today, Mr. Dan Curtis. All right. All right. All right. We got Mr. Zach Foley. Hello. Hi, Zach. How are you? Who's letting him come back? We kind of had to. It's our first post-MoCon show, so... You know. Yep, comes with a VIP pass. Remember that for next year, guys. It's just kind of one of the agreements of life. Like death taxes and Zach and Mocon. Terrible airplane stories. Oh, God, so <laughs> many terrible airplane stories. Can I, can I ask a question? How is it we've done Mocon like three years ostensibly in a row, and yet we still can't coordinate flights where you're not on the ground for nine hours before I get there? Or nine hours after you leave. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's <laughs> what a shit show this was. Quick to, we'll to the to Patreon that. fund. We'll, we need we'll, an assistant. We'll get to MoCon. That's that's one of the big topics <laughs> I know, of today. I know. Um, we don't have Tom here today. Tom broke his streak of two straight shows. <laughs> he was doing well. He was doing real well. Waited until that's, August of the year squ- to show up. That's his quarter done for the year. He's off now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, guys. It's August. I better hop on the show. Will you again? He's the guy with the nice voice. Now he's rig on. So that was me. <laughs> oh no, 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 Dan, no. Oh, I'm the one with the incomprehensible voice. Correct. Right. There got is a you. difference. Right. There's a clear difference. I to see how I got confused there. I'm sorry. I do. Well, I mean, you're just always confused, so True. Just kind of all blends together. Um it was uh, Tom's birthday yesterday, actually. It was. So what I'm thinking he's probably done is he's probably went on some kind of serial killing edging spray, edging spree, and then he's just sleeping it off, really. Well, he did put something in our chat that was extremely suspicious. Uh, yes. Apparently, Cat is in Michigan. So Tom sent us a picture of rural Michigan by a lake saying wow rural Michigan looking great these days and it's just the <laughs> overview of an empty beach by a lake apparently that picture was sent from Cap I think it was actually sent from Tom and uh, his excuse was that he needed to pick Cat up from the airport an hour after the show started recording so has anybody actually talked to Cat since then because it seems like we should check on her I mean if, he, if Tom's got a phone we might not be able to that's true Lady or if he answers and it's, or I mean, if he answers and this it's just is, this is enti- voice, this is entirely like Eric. I was saying to you yesterday. You've watched you, you on Netflix, haven't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That pro- that program is uh, very reminiscent of what's going on with Tom now. So I've literally <laughs> just watched it. So <laughs> like, it's scarily accurate, and I know what Tom's got previous. Andy sent us a photo. Fo- video next to a lake which is just another subtle clue we've said this before in our whatsapp group right what about if everything that tom jokes about is really him telling the truth and there's going to be a massive trail going back for years where we just you know we all thought we were going to be indicted into a grand jury for reasons having to do with walmart and zach but it's really just going to be you know the tom reagan affair yep your a's and b's (laughs) which is you know aiding abetting (laughs) accomplice <laughs> get used to those words gentlemen listen i had no idea well sir we have it on 77 different episodes of you joking about it so clearly you knew uh, you're an accomplice welcome to prison here's the lube 
Yep. Uh, poor, go poor, to... poor strangers buried by Tom and Lakes. I mean, shout out to them, really. The unsung <laughs> heroes of this story. <laughs> so how have you guys been? Oh my god, I've... I going to say this loosely, but I am ready for the whole COVID BS to be over. Uh, we went and saw Jim Gaffigan last night. And Ew. stand-up comedian, Jim Gaffigan. The hot pocket yeah. guy. Yeah. How uncultured are you? Quite. I used to live in Het. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll give you a pass on that. But um, Christy and I have been dying to see him for a long time. And about a week before the show, they sent out an email saying, make sure to bring your vaccination card or you won't be allowed in. And then a week, but three days before, and they're like, well, if you don't bring your vaccination card, then you can get tested on site. I'm like, God damn it. All right, whatever. We'll bring our vaccination cards. Went out to dinner with some friends. Before we got in the car, made sure everybody had their, their, their card. Mine was sitting right in the, uh, the cup holder. Go to dinner. Everything's great. Getting out of the car. Everybody's got their card. Start walking to the show. Get up to the door. I don't have my card. No fucking clue where it went. Somewhere between the car and where I stopped to pull my card out, it had magically disappeared. I don't know if somebody came up and pickpocketed me to use it as their own. I don't know. I have a tendency to put shit in my back pocket, and maybe I pulled my phone out, and it was stuck to it and flittered away. But I'm having to sprint back to the car to dig for it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Christy also forgot her ID. The show starts in 10 minutes. I'm sprinting in leather boots with low-cut socks, just shredding the backs of my heels, and can't find my card. Search the ground on the way back. Can't find it. So then I need to go stand down in line for a test. Meanwhile, the show's getting ready to start. I have to stand there and swab my stupid fucking nose and wait for him to come back negative, and we get in our seats as he's coming on. But I'm just, I don't want to get into it, but I'm, I'm ready for this shit to be done. Yeah. Also, the image of you in leather boots and nothing else, because that wasn't quantified in that story, is what's going to stick with me. So just Oh, no, it was just leather boots. Naked. Yeah. I'm thinking like thigh-high leather boots or the miniskirt. Oh, yeah, like the pretty woman boots. Like, that's <laughs> totally just Eric and those. <laughs> Going, where's my COVID card? Stick it up my nose! Possibly sparkly and pink as well, just for added effect. Well, we did just come from a uh, from a sex party, so you know. Mm. Oh, okay, right, understandable. Maybe that's yeah. Right. Well, I mean, my it, it sounds party. like you brought the party with you. I mean, I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know how the whole COVID thing is going over there because, like, nobody over here, knows. It's kind of, nobody, yeah, knows nobody knows over knows. here either because it's kind of like it was everywhere and then it just doesn't exist suddenly. Like, we've got governors saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to enforce the mandate," and then other people rioting and saying you need to enforce it and you know what who cares yeah i mean well, we had po- we are constantly point, oh sorry go Zach. oh no i was just gonna say at this point it's just become an inconvenience of people who are just whingy about it like eric and i were talking about this at bocon like now the whole thing about flight i don't feel uneasy flying but i do feel uneasy until we actually take off that somebody's gonna stand up and like freak out about a mask and then just delay my flight right <laughs> and I it's like every flight I don't have an issue with anything. Like, okay, great. Get your vaccine. The fact that there are so many people who haven't are the reason that we have to do shit like this. Yep. Why do I need to carry a piece of paper around that tells the world I've been vaccinated? Like, just fucking get it. People in the 50s yeah. when the polio yeah. vaccine came out didn't throw a huge fucking fit. If Maybe what we need to do is repeat new, new campaign, right? Hank Fist on the posters, just you going, Vac- it says vaccinations, question mark, then underneath in big letters just says, get it! 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start. I'm going to start standing at the airport with like a blow dart gun and just vaccinate people that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's determined to get arrested, him, isn't he? He is. Christ Almighty. He he is. Fortunately, he didn't do anything outwardly illegal in Missouri this past trip. I well, I mean, believe. illegal is just based on geography. But yeah, I tried. Yeah. We tried. I, I did. We tried. State laws notwithstanding. Yeah. I mean, jurisdictions and all of that, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had we had MoCon. God, it's almost been a month already. I can't believe it. Oh my God! Has it been that long? Wow! Yeah, it was yeah. September seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth ish time. Oh, yeah! I can't believe we're like to middle October already. You know? <laughs> Thank God. This year, <laughs> every could time be over. Every time I turn around, just time slides irrevocably. Eric, you say that every year. Yeah. Well, one step closer to the sweet release of death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's no, you're going to move to Wisconsin and everything will be sunshine and rainbows and pink, sparkly thigh boots. Except okay? from October through March, then it's going to be white, gray, and depressing. <laughs> yeah, but you won't have to look at your neighbors. Won't that be nice? <laughs> it's going to be great. I, I won't be surrounded by a concrete wall. There will be a stark decline in the number of chihuahuas in my near vicinity. It's going to be awesome. Mm. Those things can go to hell. But you're talking about building like a country house. You just have to replace Chihuahua with like moose and elk, right? At least they don't make any noise. Well, moose make a lot of noise during mating season. It's quite oh, impressive. But I'll well, replace I mean, it with tree frogs, cicadas, and aggressive geese. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'd like to replace the current neighbor mowing his beagle with anything else. So, <laughs> How about you mowing the beagle? I want to mow the beagle. I want because to put him in the wood chipper. There would be audible <laughs> satisfaction. I love animals, but I hate this dog so much. He's my alarm clock <laughs> every day. Before you know it, we're going to start getting negative reviews from PETA now. Eh, well, go be a skin lamp to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So you want to talk about MoCon? And I do. I do. I've done to my bank account. Oh, God. We we need to make sure that we don't wait two years between MoCons again. No, I feel like it was an edging experiment gone too far. Yeah, it's like because I <laughs> I definitely didn't stop saving up money for MoCon just because there wasn't a MoCon. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah, and then I ended up buying less games, but every game is worth at least its weight in gold. So yeah, well, <laughs> and then an we had to combat couple, the whole concept of of artificial inflation due to the pandemic. So we were definitely seeing pandemic prices mixed with con prices, but I did do a fair share of haggling. I did. I don't I don't think I paid face value for anything there. Um, And that includes both the show and the 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 day prior adventure, or as I'm going to call it, the sprint across to St. Louis from now on. Uh, The rating of the bank (laughs) vault. That's become a thing with us. We have definitely found new places that have bank vaults, and I'm really hoping Bodex doesn't get robbed. Yeah. It's well, going to start looking bad for us. <laughs> we'll get to that in, in a minute yeah. here, but uh, we we came in on a Thursday, and we had a lot of people join us this year, and it was, this was by and far the most fun MoCon we've ever had. Tyrone story aside, like this was genuinely the most fun because we got to meet the most amount of people. 
and everybody was staying in one central location. We managed to convince Cody not to stay in a place where his chances of getting murdered increased as the night went on. But we had, I'm going to see if I can do this from memory. It was you and me, Ben, and then we had Matt Ernie, uh, Jonathan Weaver, Jeremy Lucas, Cody Halverson, Jordan Lawfrey, and his little brother, um, Ryan Richardson, and obviously Chad Hager. Who am I missing? Oh, uh, James and his wife. James Halverson and his wife showed up for the the con. Yep. And I, God, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. I'm going to feel like an asshole if I do. But anyway, yeah, we had a we had a ton of people show up for it. Everybody stayed at the same hotel. Came in on came in on Thursday, and less than ten minutes on the ground in Missouri, there's already a bathroom incident. I think it's just something destined with Missouri video games and bathrooms where they're just there's this weird nexus of how these two just can't seem to like coexist there's always an issue so i get off the plane first and making my way to meet up with with cody at the airport like i gotta go to the bathroom real bad go into the men's room and for some reason the only urinal that was available was basically halfway through the bottom of the floor i don't know who they made this thing for but it was so unbelievably low and i had to go so bad that i was willing to break bro code and there was a divider between the urinals i'm like you know what most of the guys in the world would forgive me for this i have to go really bad fortunately as soon as i get up there i mean this thing is below my feet i am shooting down and guys can relate. When there's aim involved, things can go awry very quickly. And when you've had as much to drink and as much coffee as as I had by this point, I, I don't care. I just got to go. As I walk up, the guy at the urinal next to me leaves. I'm like, okay, good. Bro code averted. And right as I'm getting ready to start, some guy walks up next to me and sets his bag on the floor half of it under the divider next to my urinal and as I'm starting to go I'm like this this is not going to end well at all there may or may not have been some splashage of whatever into his bag but I finished as quickly as I could and got the hell out of there and and made my way out why is my iPod soggy I think it was a, the the top of his bottle of Coke. So, uh, oh, nice, even better. Yeah, here you go. Enjoy. Added some flavor. This is the original recipe. Monica, this Pepsi has a very distinctive taste of piss. Why does <laughs> everything in my bag ca- smell like asparagus? <laughs> taste the caffeine. I think this guy's had fish. <laughs> yeah, I. I I genuinely don't feel for that guy at all because who sets their bag down on the bathroom floor? Really? Oh my god! Like, right? there, there, there's hooks everywhere. Just or you just hold, hold on to bag. it. Yeah, just hold on to it. Never set your bag on the bathroom floor. Never. <laughs> See, my experience of public bathrooms in America is you just don't give a shit who sees what anywhere. So <laughs> I don't really understand. I mean, you've seen one. But you've that's seen why we all. have the bro code. That's why we have the bro code, which is yeah. I still you just don't, don't make eye I contact. I do not understand the massive gaps you have between cubicles. It baffles me, like... Sometimes you just so want to take a peek. It's so strange. It just makes Hi. no sense. Honestly, the best right, part... 
Eric, you go to a public toilet in England, you'll probably have about an inch off the ground. <laughs> or well, I can understand. I can understand the gaps from the bottom up, but like the other yeah, gaps in the door where you, you could see somebody through there straining. Like, oh. <laughs> I remember when we were, I'm sure it was when I was going home from yours and me, me and Mike were at the airport, might have been in LA, and I went to the toilet and I was walking past the cubicles and there was some dude sat there having a shit. I was like, why can't I see you? Why? <laughs> why were you the looking? The because normally, because I'm, I'm scanning along trying to find one that isn't engaged. And normally, you can't see the person dropping the kids off at the pool on the other side of the door. But in America, you can. Yeah, I don't understand well, why. In America, you uh-huh. can hear it, too. Yeah, there are a lot of stalls in America that are not only this far off the floor, but then the top only comes up to, like, mid-tit. <laughs> so it's like an asshole installed a Dutch door but forgot the second one. It's like, basically, you can see everybody from the waist down, and then you can see their head, and then the midriff is cut off. I'm not trying to protect that bit when I'm in the shitter, to be honest. You can see me midriff if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always perplexed by the guys that are obviously standing in stalls peeing, but their pants are still down around their ankles. Like, I, I that that's that's why we need that gap, is just for that entertainment. They made it to first grade <laughs> just wondering and why. never accelerated beyond that whatsoever. Yeah. No, it's just worth just standing was. there with his hand on his hips, just just swaying back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. I mean, yeah. judging by how most uh, public toilets are for men, I can imagine most people do sway from side to side because the aim is not the best. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. you know that. That's why you have the trough urinal, the most oh. disgusting, egregious offense against all human. Have you ever had the trough <laughs> urinal that's for some magical reason filled with ice? Yeah, yeah, those are wonderful. <laughs> What, do you mean ice, or do you mean those little yellow soap things that they throw in there? No, no like, actual it, ice. Yeah, it makes me think that when the bartender orders, a, or when you order a drink from the bar, they just come back and like, eh, here we go. Maybe or it's, it's, or it's frozen cold, it smell. <laughs> nope, just smells like cold urine. <laughs> just cold urine. But yeah, we all eventually got in, and uh, made our way over to the hotel, checked in, and then we went on perhaps the most. Um, what what is the word I'm looking for? My brain isn't firing right this morning. Uh, we went out and we bought a ton of alcohol, like just <laughs> an egregious amount of food and Oreos and booze, way more than we should have for three nights. None of it was healthy. No, my God, no. <laughs> we indoctrinated everybody else into the traditional Mocon breakfast of colossal mega stuff Oreos. Oh. I wanted to buy four packs. They talked me down to two. Probably should have gone with three. Yeah. My favorite part about the Mocon diet is that how we're all embracing older age and like how our stream went from talking about, we have like a, like a Facebook messenger group for us and like how the stream went by like, man, it's really awesome that you got that game. And then the day everybody got home was like, man, I'm going to eat a bunch of yogurt. Just, (laughs) (laughs) I need some granola to clean this out. Oh, but Perhaps the yeah. the most uh, the universe has a sense of humor regarding what room they put us in. Oh God! Oh, oh this God. was so funny. <laughs> I love this so much. Zach, I'll let you tell this. Yeah. So when we checked in, uh, so Eric and Ben and I have traditionally shared the Mocon room, which comprises of two very small beds and then one what used to be couch but is now more again like a dead cow that's just sort of dried out in a field this is called ben's bed 
Uh, and I didn't realize that the hotel only had like one or two of those rooms. And now we've been put in it three times in a row. <laughs> and I will tell you that every offense that we have committed across that, the three years is still in that room. <laughs> like there's, there's still rock missing. We turned over evidence. the couch cushions and it looks like Papa John came all over it. It's terrible. <laughs> I can see exactly the, the arm of the couch that had been used as the grease napkin because just the color yeah. had faded away. We got off the elevator and we're like, okay, fridge. last time we got off the elevator, we had to go to the right. And then we looked at our key card. We're like, we got to go to the right. Like, last time we were here, we went exactly six doors down. How many? Oh, my God. It's the same room. And the best part about it again is how nothing has improved in that room in three years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they that that they saw that you were checking in, and they just went up and they removed the condemned poster off of the door. Like, well, let's put these assholes in here again. Yeah, we made the bed three years ago. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely like dings in the wall. There's definitely like a spot on the countertop where we tried to open like you know non-twist top beers that's broken so they're just putting us in that room to teach us a lesson like this is what you get and they keep charging us more too like yeah, every year like, it goes up doing, by what are you doing bucks. with this money <laughs> i like how no money has gone into this room like this last time definitely even the front door staff hated us like we would say things like hey they, they gave us two towels there's three people and be like eh, well i guess you can come down to the fucking front desk and get it <laughs> god damn <laughs> Oh, can I order but a room service eggs and, like, just a side of towels? Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, like, the Mocon room is really just there as a place to leave your stuff and your games, and then we're going to stick the Do Not Disturb sign on it for three days anyway. Oh, man, that room, like needed, that room 20, needed some attention. It did, but, I mean, there was, like, $20,000 worth of games, so you don't want house cl- cleaning coming in and being like, oh, this shit's old and throw it away. Well, it know? didn't <laughs> help that you ordered the, what What did you affectionately call the pizza? The, oh, the, the JPP. Yeah, the JPP, the jalapeno, pineapple, and pepperoni, which is the finest pizza on earth, and then it went everywhere. Not for the air quality. <laughs> no, not for the air quality. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, everybody... not a, I'm not a pineapple on pizza fan, but the JPP... It did things to me, both lovely and offensive. Oh, God, yeah, you would food, man. <laughs> but listen, I lived through rapid pie. I know what you like. You, Sorry. yeah, you've received the worst of of anything that I have to offer. But when we were at Schnooks, Schlunooks, what was that? What was that grocery store? Schnookles, Snookers. Let's just let's go with that. I don't think my pronunciation is going to be less offensive to anybody. We were wandering around trying to figure out what the hell we're going to need, and I, in my infinite wisdom, grabbed a hilariously large stack of plates covered with turkeys because I thought they were awesome and said, we're going to need plates, and these have turkeys on them. It's going to be awesome. And everybody said, we don't need plates. Put that down. We need more Oreos. So I put the plates down. We went and bought more Oreos. Well, pizza came, and guess what we didn't have? Plates or any way to eat this. But Jonathan Weaver came through by tearing garbage apart and putting our pizza on actual garbage. So, yeah, I think I ate mine off like a Heineken box. It was really good though. <laughs> but then, I don't know how you lot get back alive from this. I really don't. I don't know how we survived uh, Jonathan's uh, choice of potato chip. Oh that my kid. God. That kid. He was. Chips. He is yeah. now the youngest of the group. I think he was maybe twelve. Yeah, um, yeah. It's important that we don't ask his age because we're liable if he's under a certain age. So, correct. Jonathan, you're 21. You're 21, buddy. You are 21. <laughs> but 
he's like, hey guys, I'm gonna get these these uh, Pacquiao flaming hot ghost pepper chips. You guys want to try them? And he's just munching them down like they're candy. Like, I mean, how bad can they really be? So I'm sitting there playing RetroPie with uh, Cody and 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 Jeremy, and we each grab one. And like, oh, it's okay flavor. And like, 15 seconds later, it's like hell has just manifested inside of my mouth and would not leave it was the hottest most uncomfortable disgusting chip i've ever had in my entire life and he was feeding them to us and enjoying it and he's just sitting there mowing these things out of the bag while we're all just suffering and then we completely forget what you should and should not do when your mouth is on fire one you should not drink alcohol what did we all do we all drank alcohol which increased the intensity of the flame and drunkenness. I was already oh. shit-faced by that point, but it got way worse after that. Way worse. Uh, I think I shotgunned two beers because I was trying to stop my mouth from being on fire. <laughs> I mean, shotgunned a beer since I was fucking 20. <laughs> but as the night went on, we just kept eating them, though. Like, oh, because you'd forget. Like, oh, chips. All right. Oh, fuck. Here we go again. Yeah, Satan's Dorito. It was an yep. alluring bitch. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, yeah. then... The Friday, we did our traditional sprint across the state to raid all of the stores of their games before they make it to the con. I went yeah, to it's, the... Important to, it's important to note that we all had lists. I'd like to talk about the list ahead of time because oh, my, my list was, I would call it carefully curated, but it really wasn't. It was just a bunch of that I, shit I thought I would never find in a million years, and then I found everything. And then you had like Jonathan and Cody's list. Which was just, you know, like, it looked like my games list. It was just a wall of games that they yeah. both needed, and they both walked away with it. <laughs> yeah, my list was literally disgusting. I, I looked at it and went, fuck, if I have to buy all of that, that's like ten grand of shit. No thanks. So I picked and chose from there. But, yeah, we made it over to the infamous trading game and, and saw Jason mm-hmm. and uh, a little disappointed. Yeah, he didn't kick us out, but he also didn't let us raid his games prior to going to the show except for ben somehow yep. ben wiggled his eyelashes in some fashion that got you know jason to pull a working designs game out and sell it to him i think ben is the winner for the most expensive game purchased yeah in a single game right. he bought uh magical popful mail on sega cd for 600 yeah which is well worth it it's right there that's a spicy <laughs> that's a spicy meatball that that game yeah but it's 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 one of those if you're going to get into working design games you're going to have to stomach up the price. Yeah. There's a couple of them that are. I'm going to wait north, until the market north crashes. of a grand, like a like a zennial trying to buy a house. I'm just going to wait for the market to crash and then I'll get in on it. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, going to be awesome. This to you. Working designs games will never go down in price. They're just they're just kind of stoically. You're not there. helping. I know, but I mean, if you want to get Magical Earth Ray or Magical Night Ray Earth or any of those, like you're just going to have to pony up a couple grand. Yeah, but then we we made the trek. Bodax, the guy who notoriously is late and shows up with a half-eaten bag of McDonald's when he has to open his store, moved from somehow. Yep, a moved across bad town part of to town. What I would not consider a great neighborhood. But a beautiful, <laughs> good, good lord. We almost <laughs> didn't go in because he moved into an old bank in what I think is a condemned section of the city. Yeah. Because across the street were collapsing buildings with fences around them that said, do not enter, death will follow, or something to that effect. 
like, yeah, where is this? Where is this place? We're circling around this parking lot, not wanting to stop for fear of getting carjacked. And then we saw a boat axe in, in little letters on the door. And we're like, all right, there it is. Get out, lock the door, sprint in. And get in. And we ended up spending, what, four and a half hours in this one store? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was the most magical case. place on earth for four hours. Yeah, it was a case where another owner kind of sized us up after a little while and decided to let us into the back and behind the curtain and well you're i like how i liked how you approached the situation too because we all went in and we're walking around and we're like yeah i mean half the store is obviously for magic and that's where he makes a good chunk of his money and oh sweet gigantic hilariously large bank vault door cool this store is pretty neat here's all the games let's go look at this and we're starting to dig through and we're finding some neat stuff and you're up at the counter talking to the guy and you're like hey what are the odds you got anything in the back and Bodak is a, he's a, I don't know, olderish gentleman. I mean, kind of a, he's been around the block a few times. He's seen he, some he is shit. stoic. He's very stoic. <laughs> like, well, we did just get a, a, a collector who traded in his entire collection. It hasn't been processed. And like, my ears perked up from across the store. Ben's ears perked up from across the store. We all just kind of made our way back over to Zach. And Zach said uh, something to uh, along the lines of, I promise you, if you let us see, it will make it worth your while. He's like, just you three? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, come with me. <laughs> so he ushers us into the back room, and we're just following along like happy, giddy little children. Like, woo, here we go. By the I mean, way, we could have been taken to rape us and kill us, and we would not have cared because there was the promise of expensive video games. Also, for anybody who ever cho- chooses to join us at MoCon, if you ever see Ben, Zach, and Eric walk any- anywhere quietly and not tell you, it's because we found a deal. <laughs> <laughs> We will notify you of said deal after once we've had a chance to look at it. (laughs) So you could tell he was Bodak was really kind of on edge about this whole thing. But, you know, we'd we'd made a promise to the man. He's like, well, I might make a few hundred bucks off these guys. So he takes us through the back through one bank vault into another bank vault in the back where there was just bins and bins and bins of unprocessed shit from floor to ceiling and we just collectively tried to hold our excitement and went oh do you mind if we do you mind if we open them and and start looking yeah fine go ahead i'll give you a few minutes and we start digging through and i think that's when he realized oh okay these guys these guys are legit they know what they're talking about like we're digging through these bins finding really uncommon rare stuff like oh my god you were looking for this and you were looking for that and oh hold this for cody he wanted that and like creating these individual stacks and you could tell like his body posture just it it loosened up a little bit he's like oh okay and he started to engage with us a little bit more fun fact though we were taking pictures while we were in there and after we got home and started looking at the pictures discovered that bodak was packing heat (laughs) had a handgun stuck in his back pocket so we were in a bank vault (laughs) with a dude packing heat for four hours Yep. Oh, man. Good on him. Good on him. But, man, that place was magical. And then from out of, probably about 15 minutes later, we we hear from uh, from the distance, Hey, Eric, you you guys back there? (laughs) No? (laughs) Leave us alone. (laughs) We're we're digging through games. Like, can we come back? And we we told Bodak, it's like, listen, we're already going to make this worth your while, but if if you let the other six people back here, this will be the best day of, of... your life so everybody came back and we spent two three hours just digging through shit creating piles and then he had to work 
because we had all of these games. I mean, we were walking out, every one of us, with crates and armfuls of shit that had not been processed. None of it had prices. None of it had been confirmed. So we all just lined up in front of the register. And for two hours, he had to sit there and individually price everything and then make us an offer on everything. I think in in that five-hour, four-and-a-half-hour, five-hour period, he made $4,500, $5,000 off of us. We no, bought four- so much yep. stuff from him. Yeah, we compared to receipts. It was like $4,800 by the end of that. But we all came out way ahead. I don't think any of us paid actual face value for any games. No. And that's that's really what you want in like a retro shop is somebody who understands like, okay, you know what you're talking about. And I understand you have to make, you know, your nut on this too. So it's oh, not yeah. that negotiation process and he understood that and so did we. So I just don't think he understood that we were all like that. <laughs> I kind all of 10 wish, of us that were in that store. <laughs> I kind of wish that I would have been towards the tail end of people being processed because there were some people just getting ridiculous deals too the first few stacks he's like yep this is what this is i'm gonna sell it for that price blah 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 by the end he's like i don't like i don't know like 300 bucks whatever just here you go (laughs) but for example like chrono trigger on the ds normally goes for 110 bucks uh he sold it to me for 60 like here you go sir i am not even gonna question that no but i came out i I came out of there with my original uh, I, i went to mocon wanting to collect some more handhelds and got the original Nintendogs DS still had all the little stickers and shit on it, which I promptly peeled off. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I was excited cause he had a bunch of like, um, not complete, but boxes and instructions and stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, like that's just a Xanadu because I, I have a pretty good sense of what I need and what I don't. And I walked out with like a bunch of like collectible edition, big box stuff that just I'm not going to find outside of eBay anywhere else. Well, I think part of it, too, deals. was yeah. this collector who had traded stuff in gave him the boxes and the games, but they weren't together. So I yeah. bought another box, a loose box and manual for Link's Awakening on Game Boy because it was in mint condition. And I saw the cartridge laying on the bottom of the bin. I'm like, empty box. I need an empty box. <laughs> so I paid 50 bucks for the box, stuck my secondary loose copy in there, and it's now a $300 game, and I paid 50 bucks for it. So yeah. it's little deals like that. $50 for a box? You're insane. It had the manual in it. Yeah, box and instructions. I don't, don't understand. <laughs> Come on, Dan. Support it's a us. Bit of ca- it's a bit of cardboard. Yeah, but it is in pristine condition, and it came out in 96. Cardboard's not meant to last that long. (laughs) Games are art. Art comes on canvas. So what I got from him that I can recall was the DS, the Link's Awakening box, um, Tales of the World Radiant Mythology on PSP, Tales of the Abyss on 3DS, uh, Code Princess, um, Knights of the Nightmare, Chrono Trigger, and then I bought Brutal Legend off of Dan's recommendation. Very good. Because I've never Legend played that. Oh, and at Trading Game, I fin- I broke I broke my Mocon seal on one thing that I definitely wanted to get out of Mocon, and that was a Game Boy player with disc. I already had the player, but I didn't have the disc. So essentially, I bought a disc for $180 because you just can't find them anywhere. Seriously, the most ridiculous thing in retro game collecting is the Game Boy Player disc. It absolutely is. And I mean, like, even at, at MoCon itself, it was 
super super expensive just to get like you got a deal at 180 bucks for that desk oh big time it's like buying GameCube component cables. Like you're not paying less than three hundred dollars for those if you can find. Uh, I used them. to have a pair of those that I sold for thirty bucks and thought I made money on it. <laughs> Fuck Everybody me. has that story. Fuck me. But actually, yeah, I did. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, I did really good there too. I was, I so again on my absurd list of just things I did not think I would find. I was looking to complete my. Uh, this sounds weird, but it's an adult series of games for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um, and I have, I think, eight of the ones that they made. And these were, like, back in the, the 80s, like, these were games that got kept behind the counter and, you know, were considered lewd and lascivious. And, of course, it's just still blocks running around the screen. Uh, but, yeah, I found the last one that I needed, which was the game based on the movie Porky's. Um, oh and he God. had it, like, complete in box with instructions and all that. And it's probably worth 150 bucks, and I think he sold it to me for 50 Yeah. Because who the fuck collects Atari 2600 adult games, you know? <laughs> Every game store you go into just has racks and racks and racks of Atari games. Like, please just take these off my hand. I'll pay you to get rid of them. Like, no, yeah. no. You want to buy some Atari games from me? <laughs> well, and it's sadly because most of these games don't work anymore. If you don't turn them on uh, every couple of years, they're on uh, electromagnetic tape. So they literally just delete themselves. Yeah. Um, but I again, I wanted the adult games because they they just they they have some meaning to me. Again, everybody in the video game industry is quickly forgetting its history, and you know when a game comes out and it's got like an M rating or an AO rating, God forbid, you know people tend to lose their minds and go, "This is like crazy that games have gotten to the point that they have pornography on them." And I'm like, "No, no, no, that shit existed in the '80s too." You know, <laughs> look, Porky's mom. You know. <laughs> But I, I'm, I also I'm surprised out of there there's with, actually okay. not like yeah. So you get a few adult games and stuff out there now, but I'm surprised there isn't like a mainstream component to it nowadays where you can actually buy like kind of porn games. I, mean, I think there that's are just Steam. There was in Steam, the nineties yeah. with like <laughs> with the FMV stuff like Night Shift Nurses and things like that. That seems to have really tapered off. Yeah, but even those were like the B movie. Like, you know, they they weren't, like, traditional, like, porn games. Whereas the Atari 2600s, I mean, there's a game called Custer's Last Revenge, which is about taking a cowboy across a, a sea of a hail of arrows to rape a Native American girl on a cactus. I mean, and as deplorable and disgusting as that is, like, I need to have that in my collection because without it, we, like, tend to forget about our history. And, right. you know, a 40-year-old game about, you know, raping an Indian girl is pretty lewd and lascivious, and I want everybody to remember that. Correct, yeah. <laughs> But I also uh, I, I completed my uh, Ghost and Goblins collection there, and that was you really, did. That really was, exciting. Yeah, that was my favorite favorite pickup from you. You managed to snake uh, Parappa the Rapper from me on PSP. I did because um, once again you put it down. You picked I it did. up and went. I don't know if I need this, and I went. I think I do. But then you know what I did the next day at Mocon? I found yeah. one sealed for twenty dollars yeah. and went ah. Yeah, I'll actually Beachy. play that though. I fucking love Parappa the Rapper. It's, it's one of my PSP favorite games. So good. Good. Yeah, the, I've, uh, never, I've never actually played Parappa the Rapper. Oh, you have. Oh, really? Put that on oh, the show for not. next year. Yeah, it's so. An and then Um Jammer Lammy, not as good, but it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're uh, the Ease One and Two Chronicles that you bought. That was just the loose box, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the box instructions and the music cd and i i think it's got an art book i'm not sure but it was just one that i needed the exterior box he tried to sell me the game too and i was like no i've got 10 copies of that but those PSPEs games are really the only way to play those in the states 
Yeah. Uh, they came out on all sorts of platforms in Japan, but not here. They really just landed on the PSP and Ease is one of the one of my sort of core franchises. Everybody else loves Final Fantasy and Fantasy Star and stuff like that. I like those games, but Ease was the first real JRPG I ever played. Um, and I, you know, when I got into collecting the series, I didn't realize there were like thirty games in that series. It's well, just it's like sort the Tales game. We were yeah. just talking about this on SideQuest last week, and I, I don't know why, but I've started to get really big into the Tales games. And I walked out of MoCon having purchased a fair few, and then I've bought a couple since. And I'd bought a few before I'd gone out there. And I've never actually played one through to completion. But um, from what I'm playing so far, I really really enjoy them. I think one of my favorite aspects of MoCon is always seeing what your friends are collecting. And it was so interesting to see what all of the other guys were after that came with us. And it's like, man, I would not have pegged you as being someone to collect that. But holy shit, you know so much more about it than than I do, and I want to know everything about it. Like Jeremy Lucas was obsessed with collecting old retro handhelds, like not the consoles, oh, yeah. those little like tiger game things or the the old like uh, this is football. I used, to, I used to love them. I used to have the Sonic yeah. ones. When oh, I was a kid. he collect. He came out with so many, and it was just the coolest thing to see what everybody was going for. And then Jonathan Weaver, I think, just went for sheer volume. That dude. Yeah was always floor to ceiling holding shit oh yeah and like but his collection sort of wants are really diverse too which makes him very knowledgeable about lots of different games and that's you know for me like that's the whole experience of mocon is getting to go and talk to like-minded people and really have a conversation and not just, oh yeah you know because i have lots of friends that are like i really like to play games talk to me all day about Fortnite, and i'm like eh. you know <laughs> kill me now (laughs) yeah the the one thing that i was really really proud of is that and it kind of backfired on us because we found a nokia n-gauge in that that bank vault oh yeah i'm looking at that going man do i really want to spend 170 dollars on a handheld hey cody you were looking for an n-gauge weren't you and he's like yeah it's like man that's expensive but you're looking for an n-gauge right oh by the way here's three n-gauge games in box you need this n-gauge and then from the 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 back corner zach's like yeah you should really get that nokia n-gauge you're not going to find that again it comes with pandemonium (laughs) and tom brader so cody's like all right fine i'll get the n-gauge but he had the last freaking laugh i think bodak let just the console go for like 45 or 50 bucks oh yeah so he got a screaming deal on that thing yeah so sometimes guilting your friends into buying stuff works in their favor yeah if only you had boxed Mega Man games i'd have been victorious you see i (laughs) stood my ground i stood my ground um what else were some of the others uh they were collecting old um gamestop's digital or gamestop signage for games um who was collecting the big box pc stuff oh gosh who was that santos lopez usually yeah, it is no, usually we, Santos. We actually made that joke. Like, damn, Santos is here in spirit. <laughs> ben was collecting <laughs> magazines for some reason. Oh, yeah. But, man, he got a great deal. He got that whole stack of Sega Ages books for, like, $4 or something yeah. crazy. And those are super expensive. Yep. And then... Uh, and, and he had that fucking Onimusha controller, which I kind of wish I had bought, but there was just no chance I was ever going to get it home. It was. Oh, the, have uh, you ever seen that controller, Dan? No. There's an Animusha 3 Katana controller. No way. Yeah, yeah it's motion-controlled. Colossal. And we saw one complete in box at Bodex for like how the, how the hell $100. Does that work? 
maybe i think he said he would sell it for and we're yeah. like i've never seen this we'll never see one again and guess what we saw the next day at mocon for like 600 bucks an animusha yeah, controller i really wish i would have bought that yeah i just that had no way to so get it hard to use man oh, oh it's I'd gotta never be take impossible the, i'd never take it out of the box <laughs> it's like the uh, resident evil chainsaw controller all over, yeah. all over again could you imagine trying to play something like demon souls or dark souls with that i bet someone has yeah I doubt it so is that I mean, dude that... who uses inexplicable controllers to complete dark souls and i'm like i can barely do it with one normal control <laughs> oh <laughs> like yeah. he made it out of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah he, blo- he uh yeah beat dark souls with the ddr dance pad while blindfolded some bullshit like that there is one there was a stack of games at bodex that i really 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 wanted to get but decided against and it was the ds versions of dragon quest uh was it four five six and seven that right there would have been like nine hundred dollars worth of stuff i just went i can't my god i can't do that that's so expensive yeah, at one point when we were standing there in Bodex, I had to thin out my pile because I realized I had four grand worth of games in my yep. hand, and I was like, can't blow my wad here. <laughs> well, <laughs> you kind of want to be conscious, too. Like, you don't want to try to lowball this guy too much just to yeah. kind of get your own deal because, you, you know, I want to respect him and his business and what he's got going on, but he already cut us just some screaming deals. So if you're if you are ever yeah. in St. Louis area, you've got to check this guy. His store is phenomenal. It doesn't look the nicest they had just moved in granted but like yeah. you're not going to walk in and be blown away like holy shit this is the the nicest looking retro store they've got a ton of stuff ton of stuff you just kind of got to dig for it yeah well and i mean like even out on the floor and like his um you know his sort of xbox and playstation 2 era stuff like there were some really really good games out there but eric's oh, right yeah. you had to go and dig for it yep and that's not a bad thing like i bought the outlaw golf games there and i think i got them for two dollars a piece which is a scream yeah um but you know again i have to look through racks and racks and racks of games and that wasn't even the expensive stuff like and by expensive like i actually picked up a copy of magical night ray earth out of that stack in the back and i was like do i want to spend two grand on a game today no (laughs) but it had been worth it um but yeah then we uh came back drank ourselves silly and then woke up four hours later to go to MoCon because we had VIP passes this year. Met up with Jordan Lawfrey and his little brother, who I did not realize drove to meet us at our hotel at 7 in the morning from four hours away. Yeah. They made that drive man. that morning. His little brother... was Yeah, it was his little brother, right? Yep. Yeah. Really cool little dude. Um, I wish I would have had an older brother to take me to shit like this. And they were he's, he's indoctrinating his little brother into our show on the drive over. And uh, we showed them what MoCon was. And uh, Chad Hager really, really came through for a lot of people. Most of us bought the VIP passes, but a few people were a little late to the game and weren't able to get them. So Chad pulled pulled some strings and got everybody in under VIP. And I tell you what, that was worth every penny. We got in a full hour early. And you could tell when they released the gates because suddenly, like, wow, this place is now full. Whatever, I got all my stuff that I need. Yep. Yeah, I think I'd already made at least one car trip by the time everybody yeah. came in. So, and you know what? I am I'm I'm not proud to admit, but I fell victim to the MoCon curse of somebody, anybody having to leave MoCon with the Turbo Graphics. Yep, you sure did. I sure did. 
There is a caveat, though. I didn't buy it at MoCon, but I received it at MoCon and left with it from MoCon, thanks to Zach. So I am now the uh, somewhat proud owner of a Turbo Graphics. It's not going to be proud when you start buying games, buddy. <laughs> I've already bought one, thanks to Jeremy Lucas. Um, and it's a working designs game, too. So yeah. Rock, good for you. Not Jeremy Lucas. Jeremy Sanford, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Had a Parasol Stars game, one of my, my working designs games, and... Uh, ship that off to me i did knock two working design games off my list at mocon one of them was the most expensive game i purchased there and that was the uh, arc the lad collector's edition mint in it was the the most mint copy of it i've ever seen and I had to make sure i snagged that up i got a copy of iron storm on sega saturn um really cheap and then i bought both mega man legends games for they had Mega Man Legends 1, 2, and Command Mission, which are the only console-based ones I don't have. And they gave me just a swan on them for like 240 for all three of them. That's not bad at all. No. Yeah, I, I, I just gotta give mad props to Chad and your your whole MoCon team did a great job yet again with this show. I know I know it was hard because it was a smaller venue and you had fewer vendors and just more COVID rules and stuff like that. But I always felt like everybody was watching, everybody was safe, and everybody was really just, you know, there to play. And that There was, was a different energy there this year, and it was like a super positive energy because you could tell that people had missed this. And yeah. it had been, we didn't have it last year. So once the show filled up and everybody kind of got over that initial hump of like, wow, we're all in a small space. Everyone's like, fuck yeah, games. Woo. There's just conversations yeah. happening, people buying shit. And even post show, Chad pulled through. Um, I somehow missed that one of the games I bought didn't have the cartridge in it. And I remembered the, the booth where I'd bought it. And Chad called that guy up and said, hey, you forgot to put the cartridge in one of these games. And that guy, three minutes later, sent me my money back. Wow. Nice. Yeah, and I mean the the vendors. Yeah, there were fewer of them. Um, I missed some of the vendors that kind of traditionally bring Turbo Graphics games, and some of the ones that bring yeah. the like the import games. But I mean, everybody was really well stocked. Everybody was knowledgeable. Everybody was, you know, this is a MoCon curse, which is cell phone service, and that building isn't great. And I don't right. think there's anything you can do about it. But like everybody was super super patient with you know people trying to get on the networks and trying to get paid nobody wanted to do cash because you know obviously handing cash out is kind of hard yeah. um but uh but like, there were some but, people that only took cash I'm like come on guys yeah. it's 2021 here what are you doing yeah yeah so but, i had to beat uh, up cody and take some of his money <laughs> but, cool. but man what a show yeah. um i did walk out with a game.com the tiger game.com handheld no games for it no idea it it technically does work, but the screen is kind of fucked up. So those things are usually like 80 bucks and it was just laying in a bin and Cody, I think it was, no, it's Jeremy Lucas. He's like, you need that, don't you? Like, no, you need that. You're the one that collects that. She's like, no, but you need it. <laughs> so I picked it up and asked the guy and he's like, I don't know, make me an offer. Like, Here's 20 bucks. I don't even know if this thing works. So I'm not even going to make you test it, but proud, proud owner, I guess. <laughs> But so to the point of, of other uh, of the people at the show, one of the games that I was looking for, uh, I think I mentioned it beforehand, was Ephemeral Fantasia on PS2. Real bad, real bad RPG. If you've never played it, it is a Konami RPG about a sentient banjo. Um, Enough said. <laughs> it's not good. It's really not good. But for some reason, 
it sticks out in my childhood as something that I rented and hated and had to own. And plus the box art's really cool on it, but I couldn't find it. And I was just kind of making a last pass through the, the venue before we left. And I was talking to one of the vendors about it and some dude taps me on the shoulder. And it was like this really weird conversation where he got really close to me and like whisper. He's like, Hey, you're looking for ephemeral. Yeah. Like, got one over here. Follow me. Like, okay. Am I going to survive? And he brings me over and like, like shuffles through a crowd and gets up to the table and just like lightly taps on. He's like, it's right there. <laughs> like, this isn't, it's not intended to be a secret. You could have just pointed. Yeah, they got one three booze down. It's in the second row. But sure as shit, had a copy, yeah. picked it up. And then I got the wonderful Dreamcast game Omicron with David Bowie, which is supposedly phenomenal. Yeah. Dan, I, I resisted. I saw a copy of Nobody Stops Mr. Domino and I did not buy it. Although I Why did buy not? Mr. Mosquito. God damn it. <laughs> oh, you bought the American version of Mr. Mosquito? I sure did. <laughs> have you seen the, the uh, Japanese box art for it? Because that's the version I have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on my list. Uh, but I, I just, I have a hard time turning down weirdo games. And the yeah. No One Stops Mr. Domino was definitely on my list. But I think it, like, it was expensive and it didn't have instructions. And I was like, no, oh, that's But uh, I'll, I'll get it one day. But the Mr. Mosquito was definitely one of my favorite pickups. Yeah. <laughs> What else did you walk out of there with? Because you had a pretty healthy stack. I did. All my stuff was super expensive, uh, but I didn't walk out as with a bigger stack as I normally do, which kind of happens as you're going through collections, right? Um, so I walked out with one of the Valis games, which I needed. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I finished a Splatterhouse collection. You did? Um, yeah, that one. Oof. <laughs> like, Splatterhouse 1 is expensive. It's a TurboGrafx game. Um if you get it complete, and I mean with like outer box and all that, you're looking at like two, three hundred dollars, um, and that starts the expensive. Like Splatterhouse Two starts at two fifty and up, and I found a Splatterhouse Three, which theoretically should be like one seventy five, but I think I got it for one fifty. Um, but it was, you know, like it's not just that those games are expensive; you do not see them anywhere. No, um, I think I've only ever seen them at MoCon. Yeah, the only time I've ever seen a copy of Splatterhouse 2 in the wild was at one shop here in town. Um, and it was in an Atlanta jackass store who just cannot keep his prices down. So I think he was charging like $800 for it. Um, so I was very happy to see both. And once you pick up one, it's kind of like, well, I'll just get the other one while I'm here. You know? <laughs> That's like Mega Man games, which yeah, I watched Cody shell out $600 for boxed Mega Man games uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6. He was trying to convince me to get it, but I've drawn a firm line in the sand. I will not collect boxed NES games. I just won't do it. But I'll sure as shit encourage Cody to do it. Yeah. No, I mean, that was a that was probably the biggest single sale at a game when he bought those. Because well, he show. was he was hemming and hawing about it. And towards the end, I kind of gathered everybody up and, and uh, Cody was standing there I'm like, hey, guys, you want to watch Cody make a really bad decision right now? So we just kind of all <laughs> huddled around him. And there's just this ring of peer pressure standing behind him to buy these games. Granted, they were all in great condition. There's a dude there that's selling off his boxed NES collection. He's been there every year for a few years. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Lucas kept another tradition alive. He bought a $50 broken blue game gear. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. I'm not sure why, but he sure did. Traditions, did. Zach. Traditions. I Culture know, survives I know. on tradition. See, now did we have to find somebody else who doesn't yours. I did fix mine. I thought you did. Yeah, I recapped it. Pain in the ass. Took me 
what three weeks and probably 20 hours and a bunch of anger and electrocuting myself because of the way that that stupid light is wired on the back where if you think about it wrong you get electrocuted yeah it's great ton of fun awesome console he has remained strong though because i showed him a mega man for uh game gear while we were on site and he passed it right by and he should have because it was nine hundred dollars loose yeah fuck that (laughs) what what i almost did and i'm part of me is glad i didn't but i was right on the fence uh offering a guy what sega cd games did he have um he had lunar one two and popful mail yep and each of those added up would have been like twelve hundred dollars i was right on the cusp i wanted to walk up to him and be like here's 850 take it or leave it for all three of these right now and i decided not to because it had already been an expensive week yeah yeah i kind of felt that way about uh, uh what's his face from jason's uh from trading game snatcher yeah. he had a, a really it, it wasn't a in good a shape snatcher um, he had had to have it resurfaced and you know it's a Sega CD game so they're not all in great shape anyway but I think he was right. selling it for seven or eight hundred and I was like I could use another copy but honestly I don't want to spend that much money on a single game <laughs> no uh, Matt Ernie picked up Lunar 1 and 2 uh, he also picked up Dan did you ever play the last story on Wii uh, no I feel like that one would be right up your pooper mm-hmm. he got one of the collector's editions I'm not sure if he got the sealed copy or not um, who was collecting all of the kids DS games I got a couple but that was just by mistake <laughs> accident <laughs> well it just I was you know buying them with a couple other games and I ended up getting like some Disney game and something else for my daughters while I was there oh, yeah. <laughs> but there was somebody collecting I just can't remember who it was um, but yeah I think Jonathan Weaver it's between Jonathan and Cody for who bought the raw most games definitely Jonathan and, hands down yeah. We were all standing there ready to go, exhausted, and he's just digging through bins under the table and just, he came out with four or five bags of stuff. That dude, that kid has some energy. He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a good kid. I I look forward to seeing him at many more of these. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I got the uh, Mega Man for TurboGrafx games. That was the other thing I got. Well, recreated. Yeah, but they're Hue cards, so. Yeah, because they weren't officially (laughs) released on TurboGrafx. Nope. No, so. these were PC Engine ports, but yeah. yeah, I John Riggs had those, and it was funny. I didn't really even realize he's like a big retro YouTuber, and uh, I didn't even realize it was him. So I walked up, and he had them listed for like sixty piece, and I was like, "I'll give you a hundred And he was like, "That's a really good deal, sure." Done. And then I was like, "Oh shit, that's John Riggs. He doesn't care about money. I could have offered him ten, and he might have been happy." He's the guy that <laughs> took our picture. Yes, yeah. yeah. John Riggs took our picture. Um, I will say one of my favorite takeaways from Mocon was a coffee cup that Jonathan Weaver had given me oh, with a yeah. picture that Dan had created after my first Q&A when I was making coffee. Dan created this really cool uh, logo called Dark Side Coffee, building the groundations of your day. And Jonathan had put that onto a coffee cup and given it to me. It's Funniest so thing. It's so so funny. I just yeah. like, that's one of the things that just kind of faded in the background and I was so happy to see it again. <laughs> Did you know he was going to do that? No, didn't have a clue. Oh. No, we had awesome. we had special Mocon shirts made. Did not show or tell anybody about that. We took the, uh, which was really funny because there was a ton of us around. It was fifteen of us, and yeah. by the end, some of the vendors were like, "Okay, I gotta ask. I'm seeing these shirts everywhere. What is this?" So we it was a, it was a talking point for it. But I took the the portraits that we had done from Sketchcraft and put them onto a T-shirt for everybody, and um, just kind of a neat 
special I was at MoCon type thing. But yeah, yeah another I, successful I, MoCon. Another successful MoCon. And I think we need to transition like the factory sealed label to equate to vendors. Hey, these guys are really hungover, but they know about games, so don't haggle too much. You know? don't, <laughs> they'll give you a fair price and they'll also buy a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think uh, another tradition there, Eric, actually, with the shirts of me, my face being on a shirt somewhere. Yep, that's right. Yep, I wore so, your. I, I took my but why shirt. That was that was one I wore. Um, I don't I don't think I wore it the day we were out and about, but I, I definitely wore it there. <laughs> I wanted I love to. That get, you miss me so much that you wear a t-shirt with my face on it. I was it's trying brilliant. to get everybody custom-made can koozies with your but why face on it, but I couldn't get them in time, and they were like seven dollars a piece. Custom-made what? Huh? What? Custom made what? Can koozie? It's a nope. it's a it's a koozie for your can can koozie. It's nope. your drink doesn't get warm. Yeah, oh, and it keeps the condensation shirts. off your hands. So it's like I a, think it's like a soda can condom, Daniel. Love it. <laughs> I think the final tally for what we collectively as a group spent was just over ten thousand dollars yeah yeah <laughs> we we definitely brought the tourism to st louis we'll but continue to do so that's two years worth of budget that everybody had saved up and i was proud to do it and i fit everything in my suitcase i didn't have to wait six months for ben to ship me something that's right yeah i feel like definitely the first year Per person was definitely higher because we spent ten thousand dollars between just you, me, and Ben. But I'm more proud that more people are coming and that money that number has stayed high. I can't wait for next year already because I'm going to be within driving distance. So Ooh, that nice. takes the money I would have spent on a plane ticket and just moves it into the game spending budget. Yep. So next year I'll drive down with Ben. Cody's up there. I'll drive down with him. I'm going to try to bring Scott down. I know that Stephanie wanted to come. Um, yeah, maybe maybe by next year, hopefully things will have settled down enough. But uh, I want to get uh, as many talk- people there. Yeah, Stephanie, uh, I promise you, we tried so hard to find you a Symphony of the Night green box. We did. <laughs> like all of us were Johnny on the spot. The only one we found on that whole trip was one hundred and forty dollars, which is just way too much to pay for that. Ooh, yeah. So we did we'll find her uh, we Sports Resort though that she wanted. That's true. We did. We did. Yeah. We we so. tried very hard. And then we bought for no one else. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Too busy digging through our own stuff. Um, yeah. I'm just checking my my games here to see if there's anything else notable that I that I got. I think that's. I think yeah, that's. It. I bought like, State of Emergency for a dollar fifty because that game's terrible. Yep. It sure and is. then I remember uh, that being everywhere when it came out. Well, because it was from the makers of Grand Theft Auto, and you're like, woo, get to go into a mall and murder people, and like. This game's real bad and kind of tasteless. It's garbage. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I my, bought. Oh, uh, Klonoa on the Game Boy Advance. I don't think that guy knows knew what he had because I offered him $90 for it and he accepted and I gave him the money as fast as I could and ran away. Yeah, but, that happened to me. So I bought uh, the twilight princess for gamecube Hmm. and the guy wanted 90 dollars, which was fine and then i got it back to the hotel and opened it and realized it was sealed (laughs) like oh well great (laughs) sucks to suck i guess (laughs) sorry for you sir um and then my other only my only other big notable game was that i finished my uh nes black label collection because i needed a black label copy of golf 
But did you see at that show they had the uh, slick black black labels, like sealed ones? Those are like four or eight thousand dollars a piece, and dude had like eight of them. And they were, I looked at it because he had a golf and he was like, make me an offer. And I was like, I can't make you an offer that's something that's not higher than the value of my car. I'm not, (laughs) like, I'm not going to stand here and insult you. (laughs) Dan, we need to get you to MoCon one year because I just want to see how you would respond to everybody. It trust me, just be me in the middle of the hall just going, but why? But why? (laughs) Just Just spinning around in a circle, like in really dramatic fashion. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's certainly some things that you can laugh at. Like, what was the one lady that was trying to sell the sealed copy of Dark Souls for like $250 or something oh crazy my like God, that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we, the only we just time. all sh- we lined up to laugh at her. It was one of those things like you pointed it out to me and you're like, Eric, come here. Come here. Look how ridiculous this is right in front of this lady. Like Dark Souls. That's like, what, a buck fifty? He goes, no, it yeah. says 150. And I look at the lady, I'm like, I think you forgot a decimal point. That game is worth $1.50 tops. And she's like, but it's sealed. And I went, okay, $3 tops. And then we called Matt Ernie over, like, Matt, come laugh at this. And it just became this collection. And we'd meet somebody else, like, dude, you gotta, I got to take you back to this booth so you can look at this and laugh at it because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But, Dan, I think you would go nuts just for all the art. And all the sort of extra oh, to game so stuff much. that they have there. Like people that come in and print out like they had and I didn't buy one because again I couldn't get it back, but like there was a wall sized like six by three poster of Symphony of the Night. Like the the Japanese cover art that oh, somebody so just cool. had made up into a poster. I mean it's a hundred dollar poster, but it was well worth it. But they have all sorts yeah, of shit like I th- that. I think that would be the kind of thing I would get, if anything, because I'm not into the whole collecting the game side stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's make an agreement now. Let's start setting aside shekels to get you and Tom here next year. It'll be easier for Tom because he, he, he could effectively just drive. But we need to get you to come over, just for the MoCon experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we got to do that. We're going we're gonna to start the Get Dan to MoCon fund. The, ba- the baptism by fire. <laughs> Yeah, but have you ever met anybody with a more steely resolve than Dan Curtis when it comes to not buying something? Because I sure as hell haven't. No, 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 no. No, I think he'll be a great counterbalance for all of us. Dan will just walk around as therapist for everybody who doesn't want to spend money. No, no, I think the challenge would come with who can annoy Dan the most with their purchase. (laughs) Dan, look at these 57 sealed games that I bought. But you already own all of them. I know. (laughs) But now now I have have two. two. You won't play them. You're doing me head in. Hey, can I, I did walk buy around, Can I walk around with my own but why shirt on so I'll have my own face on? Do it. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh, it's going to be great. You're you're coming next year. Just mark it off on your calendar. You're coming next okay. year. I have to have your face on a shirt and stand next to you at Starbucks just so I can say I don't know you. And confuse the shit out of it. We've continued to stress and freak out the Starbucks staff near MoCon for three years. So I think it's our or due diligence to at least do it once a year. We did not go to IHOP. Thank God our bowels no. could not have handled that. Um, um, the only other thing I really want to point out that Jonathan Weaver bought that I'm really jealous of is the Blockbuster uh, N64 storage case. Like the oh, hard clamshell yeah. case. So fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, that thing was awesome. I really no. wanted to buy it. And then but, he was like, how much is that? And I was like, you should buy it. <laughs> just, just, just there's some that. questions that are better left unanswered and that's one of them just yeah. buy it just buy so it. but yeah that's mocon um in a nutshell was not nearly as 
hilariously ridiculous, but definitely. I did a ton witness. Of fun. I did witness a woman putting mayonnaise into her coffee on the flight there. That was my one ridiculous flight story. It was hideous. Oh. And I made this face the whole... You can't see this on the audio podcast, but let me tell you, my mouth was dropped on the floor of the plane the whole way, and I could not stop staring Head at Head to ta- tap the like, waitress, like, did you... You know you gave her mayonnaise. <laughs> like, that's not that's not sugar. You gave her mayonnaise. Oh, I know. She wanted mayonnaise. And then she turned to me and started telling me about the health benefits of mayonnaise, and I just could not close my mouth. I was just Let oh, me tell oh, you oh, how oh, cholesterol oh, works. Mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, also, Matt Ernie was on my flight from Atlanta. <laughs> Oh, my flight home sucked ass because what time did we were you get on the plane home. We were trying to coordinate, just making sure that we had as few trips needed to the airport as possible. And you guys were leaving at like seven fifteen. Like, well, I can get a flight out at eight fifteen. That means I need to be to the airport by five fifteen for you guys. Whatever, I'll sit at the airport for three hours. And for the first time in like six and a half years, I went on a vacation and didn't bring my work computer despite having an absolute mountain of shit to do in my job if i'm out for a day i have a week's worth of work stacked up if i just don't stay on top of it like you know what i'm just gonna go i'm gonna have fun i'm not gonna bring my work computer because that's just one more thing i need to haul get to the airport as soon as i get through security flight delayed awesome well it was only delayed a couple hours get to my gate flight delayed Okay, now it's delayed two more hours. Sit around. I have nothing to do, and I'm tired as hell because we went to bed at like two in the morning, and I, for some reason, didn't feel like playing any games. So I'm just sitting there watching movies on my phone. Flight delayed. Finally, around two o'clock, people are starting to get pissed off. Like, where the fuck is our airplane? And I overhear the gate attendant talking on the phone, and he's like, "What do you mean they're towing it over here?" It's like they're towing the plane over thinking to myself you know that like it's gonna have to take off like why not just bring this thing over on its own power and sure as shit a couple minutes later out in the tarmac i see this little truck pulling this plane along I'm like oh my god is this thing even gonna take off some mechanical failure issue with it long story short sat at the airport for 10 plus hours just waiting to take off with literally nothing to do okay we were getting increasingly more annoyed whatsapp messages every hour or so oh god. which was good fun <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just, he was looking for sympathy. He didn't get any. No, I went I to the wrong group. Went to the mm-hmm. wrong group. Meanwhile, everybody else who was flying out was flying out from Terminal A, and I was in Terminal B. So I had nobody to hang out with. It's like it wouldn't have been so bad, but yeah. I was by myself. I think next year we need to coordinate and actually stay through Sunday and go to the after party. Yeah, because we always so. we always all f- sort of fly out. But I think next year I'm going to take the extra day and just fly out yep. Monday morning. Well, you should be in your new digs next year, Eric, right? I will be. Yeah, we should be yeah, back so. so I can drive down. You can fly into uh, fly into lacrosse and ride down with us and, and have that adventure, too. Oh, fuck. That means I can sing games home with you. Hooray. Yeah, I'll mail them. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's MoCon. Um ton of fun my favorite hands down my favorite aspect of the show this year is meeting more of the the listeners such a cool group of people ryan richardson i wish we could have spent more time with him that dude is so cool yeah yeah and jordan you and your little brother were great i'm sorry you only got to hang out for the afternoon but i'm so glad you guys made it um everybody else always a blast we'll see you next year yeah hopefully we can come up with more shows that are sort of across the country and because like you and I don't have a problem getting on a plane and flying everywhere. No, I'll but travel I think wherever. 
Yeah, I like, and I just want to go to shows. So now that it's getting safe again, and you know, there's there's sort of more desire to do those things. I think maybe we try and bump it up to two shows a year, maybe one East Coast and one West, so we get to see more people because that is yep. absolutely the best thing. Yep, I agree. And also, so. and also, it turns into like one of those pentaveret council rooms when it comes to talking about games because we'll get drunk and fucked up and play around, but then we'll seriously start talking about games, and then it gets very quiet. <laughs> oh wait shut up zach's talking about ease we gotta listen <laughs> or yeah or like ben's talking about sega ages or you know some ridiculous like i sat there and listened to ben for like two hours about castlevania bloodlines because i really want like a nice copy of it and he actually talked me out of two of them at the show he's like nah i can do better for you so like it is really nice to get into a group of people that are like-minded and we're all kind of looking out for each other too like nobody's looking to screw anybody else or steal right. anything from anybody else so yeah. i'd like to keep that going I agree. So, um, Dan. Hello. Should we talk about our game of the week? I know Mocon was kind of the uh, whole main point here, but we do have a game that we played, and good Lord, was it a good game. It was. So we've done a lot of the talking. I'm going to let you do some talking here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's worse than I thought. You are the eye candy of the show, but we also do need to hear you. Oh, thank you very much. It's always nice to hear um, so far, our the game, durian game is the, the candy, week. though. That's the eye candy that you are. Oh, that tastes like shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good. Draw, I can see the lines being connected. Oh, you're saying I look like shit? Look, right. It takes me synapses a couple of minutes more than most people, but I get there in the end. <laughs> all right, and that's all that matters. It's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, go on. Right, so for our game of the week, Tom's not here, so he can't do his shtick that he normally does. Uh, we played Dead Rising, which I honestly can't believe is over 10 years old. Um, I know. When did it come out? It had to have come out in 05 or 06. The original Dead Rising came out in August of 2006. Okay, 06, yep. Wow. So... I remember I first played this on the Xbox 360. So I have, a sto- I have a story about this to start with. So I first played this Xbox 360 when I still had a CRT TV. Oh, and God. this game, I don't know what it was about this game in particular, but you could not see anything on a CRT TV. It was blurry, you couldn't read the text, and I'm pretty sure it was ridiculously dark as well. I forget. And somehow I, I played I, through it. I tend to forget that the 360 and PS3 were bridging a gap between standard and high def. So the initial launch consoles came with basic cables. The The, the launch 360 didn't even have an HDMI port, did it? Nope. I don't think it was until the Jasper model. It was uh, Falcon. Okay. Falcon Falcon was the first one. And the Falcon was based on the old 360, so you'd plug it in and the fucking thing would just die immediately. But it did have an HDMI port. (laughs) The only, uh, I suppose the only reason that that I actually had an Xbox with an HDMI port at some point was because I had about five different Xbox 360s in the old Red Ring of Death. So I kept taking it back and getting a new model from the retailer I bought it from. So eventually, I I probably went through five Xbox 360s. Yeah, I went through four. I think I did as well. And then I finally got the new whatever slim version, and it actually works and has all the shit it's supposed to. 
I ended up getting one of the arcade versions that that was the Jasper model where they'd finally like figured this shit out. It's still running strong to this day. But I picked this up when I was living. It was right after my dad moved to Arizona and I took over the lease on the house and had some friends move in. And I had a widescreen monitor that didn't have um, HDMI, but it had DVI. So I had to get an HDMI to DVI cable, which was like $100 or some dumb shit at that time. But I wanted to play this with my friends, so I had a projector that had all these weird inputs on the back of it. So I had to get, it was like a, not a D-Sub-9, there's a special controller port for it that I had to have that and then convert that to component into my Xbox 360 because my projector could do 720p. So we had this projector set up in my living room and we'd all play Dead Rising when it came out. And I, I very vividly remember the first night getting home, wait until the lights or wait until the, the, the sun went down, turn all the lights off and just playing Dead Rising throughout the entire night, having a, just a grand old time. This game, this game is fucking great. On every level, this game is phenomenal. See, I remember back in the day, like when I put this in to play for the show this time, I remembered so much of it because I think I basically obsessed over it when it came out. I was, yeah. I kind of, I remembered where everything was. I remembered where, like, different items could be found. That it's that might well, it's be quite hidden unique, away from. It's it's such a unique game in that like everything is a weapon. They would show yeah. ads for yeah. it. Like, it was. I can ride a skateboard and throw CDs at zombies. Like what? But aside from that, just the sheer volume of zombies on screen at any given time, even today, like playing, I was playing the remastered version, which is basically just a prettied up port. They didn't do anything to change it. There's a ton of fucking zombies on the screen at any given time. I don't know how they did it because I've, I was playing original Xbox 360 version, right? And like, I think the more zombies that are ever on screen is probably when you're down in the maintenance tunnels and there is hundreds of them yeah and i just i i was like how have they done this yeah and it doesn't slow down fascinating i mean there was there was a little bit of jank and slow down so i mean it's a it's a game with jank in general it is it has that that initial like xbox 360 we're trying to figure out how we can make hd models i mean frank his proportions are a bit off uh He's a big muscular dude whose hands are the size of his chest. And his and chin it, is attached to his breastplate. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no the doubt. goofiest I looking say, character I wouldn't models. say he's muscular. I think he's made to be chunky. He's kind of, he's like your everyman. He's like just a photojournalist who gets thrown at this thing. I don't know. I played through the entire game with him wearing a, a, a pink floral dress and the dude's got pipes. <laughs> yeah. But this does come out of the era too where games were kind of finding their footing in terms of what the new consoles could do. Like I remember yeah. this, there was some other game, but it was like one of the big selling points was just how many zombies or how many enemies can we put on screen at once? And it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, this, this came out sort of circa the gears of war period. And I remember playing gears of war for 15 minutes and going like, yeah, that's a really neat experience. But when I got dead rising, I was like all in for days, days. And it's really unique in that there's a couple different modes. You have to play through a mode called 72-hour mode. So the the story... Dan, do you want to tell the story? Um, Yeah, so you start off in a helicopter flying towards the fictional town of Willamette, Colorado, I believe. 
and so uh, Frank West is going to uh, basically investigate what's going on in the town because it's been cordoned off by the army and nobody really knows what's going on. Of course, the army doesn't have any issue with a helicopter flying straight over them right. and just letting it go to the mall, which is a bit of a plot hole. But uh, so Frank lands on the mall and he says to this pilot, uh, come and get me in three days. Uh, and then it starts from there and you go down into the mall and you find out that everybody has been turned into zombies. And you, being the photojournalist you are, is going to crack the case. Yes. The case thing forms the structure of the narrative in a way. Kind of one of the most important things to understand about the original Dead Rising is that the 72-hour mode is actual... Everything is timed. Yeah. There's kind of there's never any moment to just relax. If you want to finish the story, then you have to invest in kind of a bit of time management as you go yeah. through it. And it's not it's not difficult. So one game hour is five minutes. So seventy two hour mode is locked to six hours of playthrough. So it's not a particularly long game. But where things become stressful is that. Um, you initially come across a group of survivors and you all shack up in the security room. And for some reason, the zombies haven't figured out how to use the ventilation shaft. So you have to go out the ventilation shaft onto the roof, down an elevator and out into the mall. It's It gets tedious constantly having to backtrack through that little section. But uh, the least, my least favorite character in probably all of video game history, uh, Otis and his goddamn radio who will just never, ever, ever shut up. I'm out in the middle of this mall filled with zombies, and you're trying to call me to tell me that somebody is stuck in a dressing room on the other side of the mall, and heaven forbid I get bumped by a zombie and get taken out of the call because he'll immediately call you back like, hey, don't hang up on me. That is rude. And meanwhile, I'm being bitten. That gets disconnected, so he calls me back, yells at me again, and it just begins this perpetuating loop of him yelling at me. It's like, dude leave me alone but he'll find survivors through watching the security monitors throughout the mall and you have to go and get them but you have to manage your time it's like well i have to be in this certain spot by this time do i have time to go get this survivor and take them back to the security room and then make it back to where i need to be and the one thing that that is a little lackluster in this game is the ai uh, just a bit so I remember the AI being shit back in the day and it has not aged any better so the survivors <laughs> after you rescue them you might so for some survivors you might have to do different tasks it might be killing a boss it might be in the case of some Japanese tourists finding a book which uh, teaches Frank rudimentary Japanese so he can speak to them and then they follow him uh, and then there's other characters who are older and you might have to carry them and stuff but for the vast majority of them they will follow you across the mall but they follow are not is a very loose term but they are not intelligent enough to avoid big crowds of zombies so you kind of have to do it very very slowly and get frank a few meters in front of them then press triangle to go come on and then they follow him a bit closer and well, you have to clear out get- the zombies in front if they get swarmed by zombies, you have to go kill the zombies. But in the process, you will be hitting them with your weapon. So if it happens too much, they end up dying. I, I, I thought I, felt, I can't tell you, Eric, how many of them I killed by accidentally hitting them with a weapon. <laughs> I, I thought I fell into a glitch at the beginning because I could not get any of them to follow me. The first group of survivors that I came across, as soon as I walked into the room with them, they attacked me. I'm like, listen, I have a, I have a chainsaw. 
you have a stick. You're going to die. So I killed him. And then I could not get anybody else to follow me. Um, fortunately, that, that sorted itself out. But yeah, you're right. I would be having a group of people following me. And if you didn't lead them precisely around a 90 degree corner in the right way, they would hit that corner and stop. And there's nothing you could do to get them around it. So you'd have to go walk around to the other side, and like bash into them to just push them past that crest in the corner. Uh, AI, not not good. Not not the best i didn't really make it my goal to save as many of the survivors as i could i think i ended with like 19 i can't remember well, what i got you had 20 but i tried to I, did i yeah i tried to save as many as i could but i am um, this is skipping ahead a bit but the save of the survivors is ultimately pointless other than as a pp goal because if you follow the storyline the army comes and kills them all anyway yeah right well no they get out <laughs> do they yeah so the army shows up uh, again, really skipping ahead here. The army shows up. You can read a note that was left on the desk from Otis that explains what happened. And the army showed up and they went up and jacked one of their helicopters. And Otis is like, you may not look like the type, but I do have a small aircraft license. So he flew the helicopter out with everybody. Oh, well, that's convenient. Yeah. I've but- just checked, right? So you mentioned about everything in this game being a weapon. Yeah. Um, there are 141 different weapons in this game. And they range from like flower pots to lawnmowers, um, CDs, um, cases of soda, raw yeah, meat. Two by, two by four, barbells, baseball bats, battle axes, benches, bicycles, bowling balls, cactuses, canned food. To be quite honest, there is one combination of weapons in this game that is f- physically broken. And oh yeah, hundred percent. Once you it's... once you get it, there is absolutely zero incentive to do anything else. So you you come across these psychopaths, which they never explain how they go from being normal civilians to a complete and utter chaotic psychopath in a matter of hours. And how did all of these people meet in one spot? And just the, how did they descend into this madness? Maybe that's just a commentary on human nature when things go to shit. Like, that's when your real personality comes out. Who knows? But you come across a psychopath who is a clown in Wonderland Plaza where there's a sky roller coaster. You end up having to kill him, and he he juggles chainsaws. So you can pick up these handheld chainsaws, which are one-hit kill for any zombie and, like, three-hit kills for bosses at most. But they have a, every weapon has a finite span in which it can be used. Um the chainsaw has 80 hits so you can hit 80 zombies or or whatever before it breaks but you can pick up books that give you a buff and it's a stacking buff you can pick up three different books and it takes your hit count from 80 to 2900 so you can make it through the entire game with two chainsaws if they're just stupidly overpowered as well so it's like it i i found this out when i played it originally and every time i've played it since it's my just go-to build i pick up chainsaws i get like three orange juices from the canteen upstairs near the security room and then i'm good to go yeah there's I al- would... there's always until you get to the clown point there's i imagine this game is actually really difficult without yeah. the chainsaw because there's a lot of weapon management because every weapon degrades and breaks eventually and then some weapons are stronger than others there's different points in the mall where you've got to kind of memorize where different weapons are like for example you can go up to the top of the paradise plaza the first area where you are you jump off the awning and then there's a 
katana sword there to yep. use. And Which is great because it just slices the zombies in half, and it's it's hilarious to just mow through yeah. a crowd. As is That's the lawnmower. Of, that is my oh, favorite the lawnmower. Weapon so the first time you see the lawnmower, there's just a group of zombies trying to get in through it's a like, door. It's and just the encouraging you to do it, isn't it? It's like yes, just just push these over these zombies, please. Um, well, and it's funny you mentioned like those people going crazy. I just having lived there most of a, a big chunk of my childhood i just assumed all the crazy people were from east colorado like because that's not untoward <laughs> as you get further and further away from the mountains like people just go more nuts so it, it's it wouldn't be surprising to me to like pull up and see somebody in a clown costume kill, trying to kill you <laughs> it's just so i think i think, yeah. I think we should go through all the different psychopaths at some point as well but we haven't really talked about so at the core of this game is like a progression system as well so it's kind of RPG in a way. So Frank will level up based on actions he takes. Uh, saving survivors will net you a lot of what's classed as prestige points or PP for short. <laughs> and saving survivors, uh, killing zombies in creative ways and killing psychopaths nets you PP. You can also get a lot of PP from um, different moments because Frank is a photojournalist. He can take photos on his camera. Um, and you can take different PP bonus moments where you get a large PP bonus from taking a shot. Yeah, it's it's not the, the easiest thing to do because your window in which to snap those is very small, but also the controls are garbage. Yes, uh, anything to do with aiming on this game sucks ass. You cannot it's walk Resident and shoot. Resident Evil 4 styley. You cannot it's walk seriously and shoot. like playing a fucking Fatal Frame game. It controls oh. that badly. It is, which is I why the chainsaws know. are great, because you just press square. If you want to use a gun, you have to stop, hit R2, and then you aim with the left stick instead of the right, which is uh, awful. Did you guys know that if you didn't have a weapon and you aim, Frank spits on zombies? I did, yep. <laughs> yep. I didn't know this. <laughs> and if you don't have a weapon Wait. in your hand, you press square, I'll start punching them. Which is yes. just as effective as the Mega Man blaster in this game. <laughs> no, <laughs> like the, as hitting him in the head with ping pong balls. <laughs> but you can get the true Mega Man blaster. Yes, like but the, you have to kill like 54,000 zombies. Yeah, what is the zombie genocider goal? I think it's kill 54,900 and something zombies. Which in 72-hour mode. In 72-hour mode, which is the equivalent of the population of the town of Willamette. Yep. So you basically killed everybody in Willamette by that point. So I've done get that this, once. I've done it once as well. So to get this, you basically have to go straight down to the maintenance tunnels where all the zombies are, get in the car and just run them over and go around the corner, pick up the truck, do the same thing, keep going round in a big circle, just run over zombies. I think I spent about five hours doing it once. But what's difficult, though, is you do have to manage your time with it because there are certain case points that you have to complete or the game will end. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot about that. I remember doing that and getting the mega bust and going, oh, that's cool. Then not playing it for probably until now. Yeah. <laughs> that's why <laughs> I hate I've when you it. get now those. You, I hate getting those things at the end of the game because none of that encourages me to play it again. I know. It's kind of that is a, a real commitment thing to the game as well. It's I, I think it's probably physically impossible to kill that many zombies. I unless killed you a do ton of zombies. Tunnel. Like I killed a lot and I still only hit. 7,000. Yeah. You're kind of, you think you're killing a lot, but then you're not. Yeah. Um, so Frank actually 
when he levels up, he actually does learn a lot of new skills as well, which actually make him very effective without weapons. Yes. Uh, like the zombie so, disemboweler. Love that one. <laughs> I love the German suplex. That's my favorite. <laughs> Just gets behind a zombie, grabs them around the midriff, chucks them backwards and explodes the head. Or the face crusher one where he just jumps and bulldogs them into the ground is brilliant. It's lots of wrestling inspired moves, funnily enough. There's an achievement he, for that too, for hitting somebody with uh, hitting a, two zombies at the same time with the German suplex, which is fucking awesome. Because can't you do the double the face time. crusher one where you can get one on each hand and smash them down? I don't think so. Or is that one of the later games? I think that's one of the either. later games. I'd say it was in two, but I played five minutes of two and skipped right on to three. So Dude. it's probably in three. Side note, Dan and I played ridiculous amounts of two multiplayer. Ridiculous amounts of it. So much fun. Um, but okay. yeah, let's talk about the let's talk about the psychopaths because there is a until you can get the chainsaws, this game is very difficult. I hit a very very steep difficulty curve when it came to saving Doctor Barnaby, and I had to fight Carlito for the first time, where he's a, a sniper, yes. and you just you just straight up got to get as close to him as you can. And the the problem is at this point before you get into it, Eric. So Frank is so slow oh. when you first start out, and as you progress on, he gets news. As he gets new skills, he also gets like faster or he gets more health or he gets more invent inventory slots and stuff like that. Um, so until you get that speed buff, Frank is so slow and dodging out. There is a dodge roll move, but executing said dodge roll move is very difficult. You have to double tap the stick forward. Makes That's no what I also want to talk about before we get into the psychopaths. Like some of the moves to pull them off is ridiculous. How you've got uh. to do it. So a lot of the skills are tied to um, pressing square and X in different ways. So if you do it behind the zombie and press forwards, he will do the face crusher. If you do it behind the zombie and don't press forwards, he will do the German suplex. If you press it to the side of the zombie, he will do the hammer throw one, which is hilarious. That's he just basically so- grabs the zombie by the arm, throws them forwards, and then they run through all the other zombies, <laughs> knocking them down. It's hilarious. If you do it from the front, Frank will pick up the zombie and throw it above his, from above his head into other zombies. That's awesome. Um, but then there's stupid ones like a wall kick where you've got to jump towards the wall, press X while pressing square, and pushing the direction, the analog stick in the opposite direction of the wall to do the wall kick. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're crazy. I never, I never used any of those. That, I, I feel like an this old game... favorite of mine is the spinning lariat one. Yes. Which is where he, he basically just gets in the middle of zombies, sticks both his arms out on either side of him, spins around in a circle, and knocks them all down. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I feel like this game started out like somewhere in development. They had a ton of QTE events. Yeah. You know, like it was a bunch of quick times and then they were just like, fuck it. They should be able to do these things anywhere because some of the moves are just absurd and like physically impossible to do with your hands. I mean, the the double lariat one is kind of it's pressing X while pressing L3 the same, <laughs> at the same time. It's just, yeah, they're just stupid how you have to do them and really. Diff- but I remember like because i've played it so much it was kind of muscle memory for me and knowing how to do the double lariat just to clear out zombies when they're in front of doors and stuff it's incredibly useful yeah it was it all pales in comparison to the chainsaw but it was fun doing all of that stuff like i i remember 
one of the coolest parts of the game when I first played it was going into each of the stores and figuring out, ooh, what's a weapon here? Oh, I can throw a cash register at a zombie. Oh, I can kick a soccer ball and it'll bounce between a bunch of different zombies or ride a skateboard through them or push a shopping cart filled with swords and knives all over the place. It was really neat to explore everything and figure out what was a weapon, what was food, how I could be creative with this. But I, I definitely think that the game is dramatically hampered by the time. Because you, you felt stressed. And I yeah, get like that's the it's, point. It's kind of... This has been a big debate about the Dead Rising series. I mean, I've started playing Dead Rising 4 and that does away with the time limit, uh, mm-hmm. which is... I've always thought it was a cool concept, but it, yeah, as you say, it does hamper it. But I think after you finish it, you unlock an, a mode where you can just play it for as long as you want. Yeah, uh, overtime mode. No, I think there's another one after that, which is called 24-hour mode or something like that. Oh. Well, I think, too, it's about your expectations with games like this. Like, I think it's all about timing, right? So, like, this game came out right around the same time as Day of the Dead, which can equate to being, like, Mall of the Dead. So it's sort of very similar in scope. And I think a lot of people wanted to play this as, like, the long-term survival. Like, hey, clear out the mall, then establish, like, a base. And it's just not that. But I applaud it for what it is. It it really did something unique with zombie games. Um, By that tension and that pressure is sort of a key element of horror. And I think in that regard, it succeeds. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, what great horror doesn't have some comedy in it? Right. Because, you know, it's all ridiculous if if you kind of take it out of context. Well, even the storyline of this is ridiculous, too. So you discover that Carlito is a terrorist who is trying to enact revenge for the senseless slaughter of his hometown in Central or South America. So what had happened was Dr. Dr. or Professor Bernstein or Dr. Bernstein was conducting research on how to breed cattle more effectively and quickly. And he was using bees to do so, or these hornets. Don't understand how. They don't ever explain that. But essentially, these these bees escaped from the lab and turned all the people in his village into zombies. Then the American military came in and just murdered everybody. He and his sister, Isabella, uh, Isabella were able to get away. He comes back, and he is going to release this plague on the United States as recompense for what happened. And there's this big, hilarious uh, monologue about uh, you Americans filling your fat bellies with meat. And it's the stupidest, it's the stupidest storyline for what's happening, but you know, they, they had to have some sort of story to it, but um, that's what Frank is essentially trying to, to, to break the story on. But um, yeah, you come across, the the psychopaths in this game are every one of them is hilarious and i think the the first one you come across is well the first one i think i came across was the the clown carlito notwithstanding in the food court because he's not really a one of the psychopaths that you have to beat but there's dan do you have the list of them up i do so um you have uh cletus samson who's a near neo-confederate gun shop owner he was in the hunting shack i tried to sh- i tried to uh fight him early on and got absolutely obliterated i missed i missed him because yep. I, I didn't go to the gun shop by that point you've got carlito so 
Uh, you fight him a few times, actually. So you fight Carlito in the sniper battle, which Eric already mentioned is horrible. Yep. You fight him in the tunnels when he's driving a truck. Yeah. Do you have Do to you beat fu- him there, or is he more just an annoyance? I think you can beat him. I managed to beat I him, did. and then I got a cutscene where his truck fell down. But I yep. don't think you have to. But that is difficult, that bit. Uh, you have the convicts who are extremely annoying. So See, I didn't these... struggle with them at all. Once I had the chainsaw, I stood behind a tree. They crashed into the tree. I walked around the side, killed the driver. Then the passenger got into the seat, sliced him, killed him, and then killed the uh, the guy in the machine gun in two hits and then took their Jeep. And the guy that was dead in the back of the Jeep decided to stay there and his head was all bent backwards, like right in my camera views and I'm driving through the tunnel full of zombies. Like This is fun. Yeah, um, but, but, but you've of, called you it out without either, the chainsaw. That's hard. Yeah, <laughs> you either get lucky with them or you don't. So yeah. they can either be, they can either be really far away from you. And I got really unlucky. And the survivors who I was rescuing at the time happened to wander into them. And uh, what well, you can do with the convicts, though, so there's basically these three convicts on a truck with a m- mounted machine gun, and you can kill the one on the back, and then you can climb up on the machine gun, and you can just shoot the other two. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, which is brilliant, uh, but. I, what I didn't know about these guys is they flipping respawn. They didn't for me. So I, they, after a certain amount of time has passed, if you kill them very early on, they respawn. Weird. So Because I killed them twice. Well, what's annoying um, about them is that... So the mall is very poorly laid out. And at the beginning, you have exactly one way to get into your security room and one way out. And if you got to get to the other side of the mall, you have to go across the courtyard where they are. And then as you save certain people, you can unlock shortcuts. But yeah, getting, I got really lucky. Anytime I needed to cross the courtyard, they were always on the other side. I'm like, yeah, just meander around. So about the shortcuts, right? I always thought in this game, the shortcut made no sense. So if if you rescue a particular survivor, he shows you a shortcut through the bathroom to another bathroom. The ladies bathroom. The ladies bathroom in Wonderland Plaza to Paradise Plaza. Um, But I saw because where you have to go to get on it, you have to jump Frank up onto the sinks and then press B in the corner of the room. Yep. But it, I thought I was thought it made no sense. But this time I looked up to the ceiling and there is like a vent. Yeah, there's a go, hatch, uh, which I assume he goes through. Yeah. But it does make no sense. You're right. Um, but anyway, back to psychopaths. We've got Adam McIntyre, who's the crazy clown with the chainsaws. Yep, that's a that's a crazy boss fight. He like throws balloons at you. He has the chainsaws. That one's pretty uh, easy, though. Yeah, you just kind of have to... You have a big open playground to basically kill him in. So you have Stephen Chapman, who is the owner of a supermarket who goes crazy and he pushes a shopping cart full of knives at you. That's a difficult one. I struggle with that one. That one's very difficult, yes. It's also not that difficult, though, because there's food everywhere in the supermarket, which you can use to replenish your health. He's only hard because his ramp up to like just rush you is like immediate. It's like fighting the fucking roadrunner. Like his feet just spin up and <laughs> he's just on well, top And those you. are where you need to take pictures of people or you need to take pictures yeah. and try to capture that, that specific PP. And it's really hard because you're going to get hit and you could get caught in his cart because he'd hit you, you'd flip, and then he'd just keep running into you. I died probably three or four times to him doing that. Yeah, and also the mechanic of switching to my camera and then having to use my left stick to aim just yep. does not work in my brain. No, like no. My brain is trained for right stick only. 
So next up, we've got Cliff Hudson, who is a Vietnam War veteran in the hardware store. He's strung up loads of people by the ceiling in body bags with blood dripping everywhere. Oh, I and didn't go do him. Did you not? No. Which so one he's was in this? The bit, so he's in the bit of the mall where it's in development and there's yep. a hardware store. And if you go in there, he shows up and uh, he... Interesting boss fight, actually. He jumps between like different vents in the ground, then he pops out of them. But oh, because you're in the hardware store, you've got all the shelving units and stuff. Yeah. So quite a cool little boss fight. Um, technically, Isabella is cl- classed as a psychopath because you fight her on a motorbike. That at one fight point. sucks the most. That is the worst yes. fight in the game. You've got uh, Joe Slade, who is a corrupt, sadistic police woman who has captured several women. I killed okay, her so instantly by hitting her with the chainsaw. I killed her and the person that she was torturing like oh <laughs> because so her her boss or her fight's really weird because she has a, a taser if you get too close she will tase you you'll be on the ground incapacitated and then she goes over and starts doing something to the girl that she has tied up in the chair and the girl is about to die like oh, i gotta save her and i went up and just started hacking with the chainsaw and they both died and as the person in the chair falls over the little pp symbol flashed up that's kind of a weird thing to have a PP of, but whatever. And I tried, but <laughs> it wouldn't let me because the boss was dying at the same time. So she's I cracked up. I, I remember specifically, and it wasn't on this latest playthrough, but it was one of my first ones. She glitched out, you know, because she's like sitting there tending to whoever it is. She's got captured and she stands up and goes like, ah, and I just shot her right in the face because she couldn't come at me. <laughs> it was the most satisfying kill in any video game ever. <laughs> Oh, she's so uh, gross. So we've got uh, Kurt Swanson, who is a photographer like Frank. Um, he only becomes a psychopath if you complete his mission. So he challenges Frank to take photos of various different things. Did you do this one, Eric? No, I didn't understand what the hell he was asking me to do, because you come out of the, the security room at the beginning, and he's another photographer running around, and he's trying to teach you how to take pictures. And he was like running around doing flying like dragon kicks into zombies. He's like, take my picture, dude okay i am he's like that was crap you could do better than that and then he just kind of disappeared you just have to take very specific photos of him and then he asks you to also do different ones around the mall oh did like, not do that no i did i missed him as well i I just didn't have the time because the story events were expiring yeah there is the hall family who are th- a trio of three snipers who show up in the same places where carlito was yep did you see this one entrance yep. plaza uh they're crazy <laughs> There's one who doesn't want to shoot people and his crazy dad encourages him to do, do so. It. We've got Paul Carson, who is a pyromaniac. And did you cover this yep, guy? turned survivor. I, so I didn't understand what was happening here because I fight him and then he's laying on the ground with his crotch on fire and his life bar is slowly going down. Like, what do I need to do? So I chopped him with the chainsaw and then went, Paul Carson is dead. And I went, crap, that only shows up if a survivor dies. And I saw the fire extinguisher behind him, so I put the fire out on him and ended up saving him. And then you take the girls that he was uh, holding captive back to the security room and put them in the same room as him in the security room. Like, this is- well, we didn't talk about all the survivors in the security room. Yeah. They're all in these different rooms to the side, and if you open the doors, they just they just bangs the door into them and they all go flying it's hilarious and they all walk up to him and go oh thank you you saved me oh and they're all in the background going me. oh what's happening i don't like it uh. they gave <laughs> like, him a collective oh, why did i save you dialogue 
Um, you have Sean Keenan, who is the head of the Raincourt cult and also the Raincourt cult people, who are great for netting loads of PP. I was going to say, <laughs> pro tip, don't kill this guy till you absolutely have to, because you can just walk out of Paradise Plaza, walk back in, and all of the, the Raincoat people that you've killed are now respawned. Each one of them is considered a miniature psychopath worth 500 PP, and they group together in, I don't know, a group of maybe 20 to 30 people. So it's a real quick level up. Yes, and they just keep respawning as well. So until you kill him, they're always there. And then you've got Larry Chiang, an obese butcher who captures Carlito, and you can either rescue him or not. I don't oh, know what, if that Did you get captured by him and put on a meat hook? Yes. Yeah, instant death. You just die. I didn't die. I couldn't get off the meat hook. I think you can do like a quick time event and get off. Oh, I, I could not because he sat there and then just hacked me to death. And then finally, you have Brock Mason, who is the last boss of the game. We'll probably get to him a bit later on because um, that's in overtime mode. Oh, okay. I didn't fight him. Interestingly, lots of these. So these also have unique boss weapons, which you can get yep. afterwards. They respawn. So we've got the chainsaw, which again is broken. The cliff guy drops a machete. Uh, the convicts drop the heavy machine gun and the Humvee to use. Isabella, you can use her motorcycle. Larry Chang has a meat cleaver. Uh, Sean Keen has a ceremonial sword. Stephen Chapman, you can use his weapon cart. And then Paul Carson has Molotov cocktails. And you can't get them anywhere else in the game. Can you not? Nope. Oh, interesting. I think you can make them in, in part three. Probably. But yeah, yeah that, the sheer weapon diversity in this game is pretty incredible for a game that came out like in 2006 too. Yeah. It, it is. And there's eh. there's so much more to it. There's even, you can make different juices as well using blenders. Yep. Yeah, that's is, right. Um, so there's, I think there's oh, one, Did two, you catch three, the, four, five, six, seven. Did you catch juices. the uh, homage to Misadventures of Tron Bond? Yeah, the servebot mask. Yep. I had yep. no idea what those were the first time I played through this. Me but. either. Me either. Because um, you were so, playing Mega or uh, Capcom versus, uh, or was it Marvel versus Capcom that had those as characters? That was yeah. the only reason I knew who those were. Yep. <laughs> so these juice, I didn't really use them this time, but I remember using them back in the day. The different juice types. So you got one called Energizer, which makes Frank basically invincible for a while. Uh, nectar attracts any nearby queens to frank so queens are the parasites which are inside certain zombies if you pick if you can capture them in a jar then if you smash them near zombies like all of them around you will die which is really useful it's also yeah, good it fun just to lob the jar into a crowd of zombies and see them all die <laughs> watch them have a seizure and a bunch of worms come out of their mouth yeah there's a one called quick step which increases frank's speed drastically a randomizer one, which gives them stomach pains. Spitfire, this is the one I found. It's really funny. So this turns Frank's spitting ability into a lethal spitting ability. So you can spit at zombies and they're like bullets. It's so funny. Uh, untouchable Frank cannot be grabbed by zombies and zombiet, zombies are more attractive to Frank, which can aid in distracting zombies from survivors. This game is so different and so unique because it, just kind of gives you a sandbox. I agree that the timer is sort of prohibitive, but like just to use that diversity of weapons on the zombies is the best part of it. Like I, I don't think I ever really picked up this game to 
like play it through to completion every time. I really just wanted to see in what terrible ways I could dismember th- zombies. <laughs> and it, it's endlessly creative. Like, and that only progressed further through the series when you start getting the combo weapons and things like that, uh, which I kind of missed in this after playing Dead Rising Two. Yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy some of the crafting stuff that you could do in kind of like Dead Rising 3 and beyond. But yeah, this this game was just absolutely remarkable for the time. And, and considering like it's the first real pass at something like this, like I don't think it gets enough credit. Yeah, it's, um, it is just an incredibly diverse game. And I'm just talking about it and I'm thinking of all the different things that are in it and there's so much to do. There's like the, the photo mode and then there's killing zombies just if you want to and then there's saving survivors if you want to and then there's doing the story if you want to. It has a lot to it for an Xbox 360 game. Yeah. And again, a technical achievement just to get the damn thing running. Oh, yeah. And like I remember, I think it was, uh, I can't remember which one it was. Dead Rising, it was either two or three, was one, I guess it was two, was one of the first games that launched in a terrible state. Like, this one has a really pretty solid frame rate. It performs well. Like, even when there's hundreds of zombies on screen, like, it feels like it's still moving like it's supposed to. I got annoyed with Dead Rising 2 because it was one of the first games that had, like, a large patch to it. And at the time, you know, I think the large patch was like two gig or something like that. But I can remember specifically like, nah, I'm just not going to play it anymore. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk, there's quite a few Easter eggs and stuff in um, Dead Rising. So it's made by Capcom and Kiji Inafune, who made like um, quite a few classic yeah, He was the Capcom guy behind games. Mega Man, Kaiji Inafune. He yeah, he's a producer on this. Hence the Mega Man outfit. He did this and uh, Lost Planet, right? I think. Oh, I loved Lost Planet. Planet. Yeah, I think he was a producer on both. Yeah, and those came like I. I think these two games came out within like a month or two of each other, but they were both excellent. Um, so there's just a few different Easter eggs and stuff there. You can find a restaurant called Jill's Sandwiches. Which is quite, and it's a reference to Resident Evil and the Jill Sandwich. Uh, There is the name Movie Land is a reference to the setting of Beautiful Joe. Is it? Ah, that's awesome. Oh, because that's the movie theater. Yep. And Frank has a watch which says Mega Man on it. If you zoom in, yeah, I would love to have one of those. Sure, somebody makes Um, one someone somewhere i think i think that's i think there's other bits and bobs but that's all i can really find yeah i mean easter eggs there's a lot of stuff in the toy store that's sort of mega man e references i mean obviously the serve bots are tron bond related but i do remember there being like some costumes or something like that that looked a lot like mega man but gosh yeah i love it when cop capcom taps into its own legacy like they they just have such a rich library of stuff. I, I always love it when they pull something out of the closet that's sort of obscure. And I mean, like Beautiful Joe is a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's it's a cool, it's a, just a really cool series, and I'm glad it's continued on. I feel like it's kind of fell out of its way a bit. Like a lot of people didn't seem to play a Dead Rising Four, which is a shame because it's actually quite a good game. I've been playing it recently, and it's a lot of fun. Well, three was it's Xbox kind of, only, wasn't it? Yes, so okay. I've never played three. And I think it was uh, the Xbox I never had. I think four is actually Xbox, Xbox Series X enhanced. I had to give that a try. 
Is it? Oh, yeah. it doesn't have a PS. Is that on Game launch. Pass? I even if it's not, I'm sure. How I are you playing for Dan? Did you buy it? Yeah, I bought it ages ago for the PSN. Oh, it was uh, really cheap, so I thought, oh, I'll just I'll try that. I love a bit of Dead Rising. I remember trying um, three on Game Pass, and I just like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for this. Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, there's one thing I don't really like about Dead Rising, and to be quite honest, it's overtime mode. It's kind of just feels tacked on. What is and it? Did you not play it? No. Oh, so Dead Overtime mode. If you complete all storyline objectives, you will you'll see the credits i think and then you get kicked back to the title screen and you get a thing called overtime mode which increases the time and you get like a couple more days to finish off what you're doing and there's a new storyline with isabella where she's trying to make a cure for frank because he's been infected with the zombie virus okay he's going to turn into a zombie and uh, it's basically a big long fetch quest where you have to go around the mall finding things like a blender and uh 10 10 queens to give to isabella which you have to hand to her one after the other oh my and she God. says dialogue in between them all then once you've found them all there's a new walk like underground tunnel under the clock tower in the park for some reason which is full of zombies oh. and she's made a perfume which makes frank and her smell bad to the zombies so they don't want to come near them and you have to trek through like literally hundreds upon hundreds of zombies i don't know how the game even runs it at this point through this tunnel and you get to the end, and then you get in a Humvee with a big uh, machine gun on, and you have to fight a tank. I remember this now. Yep. Yes. I didn't you do have it to this fight, time around. You have to fight uh, this... What's his name? Uh, two seconds. His name is Brock Mason, and he's a special force officer. Oh, I should also say, on overtime mode, most of the zombies are gone because they're being cleared out by the army, and they're replaced by special forces operatives, and there's usually yeah. about six of them on each map. Yep. And they're it, really hard to kill. They've got machine actually. guns and everything. So there's because you've lost because you've lost your chainsaw and everything by this point. You see. Yep. Yeah. There and, are a and total I- of six different endings that you can get, and I was on track to get A, which I th- I believe is the canon ending, um, and I got ending C because at the end of the game, you had to go talk to Isabella after you killed Carlito. What they don't tell you is then, again, at 10 a.m., two hours before the helicopter is set to arrive, you have to go talk to her again in her hideout on the other side of the map. And I didn't do that. So I'm standing on the helipad, and my helicopter pilot is on a different building with binoculars. Why he wouldn't just come to the mall and land on that roof? (laughs) don't understand but he's standing there he's like well when you're dead you're dead and then a zombie comes up and eats him the true canon ending is the helicopter lands on the helipad frank gets inside and um as you're flying away i believe doesn't the pilot get bit by a zombie and it crashes yes and then the crashes down and then isabella comes in at the last minute and saves frank's life basically correct then there's another one where um Oh, let's see. I don't want to just read off all of the endings here, but the special forces take people prisoner. There's one where Frank gets surrounded by zombies and um, the helicopter doesn't land. You can tell Frank's going to get bit at that point. And I think that's how it goes into overtime mode as well, too. So none of the, the endings are really cohesive or anything, but I ended up getting what I thought was going to be the best and just fucked one thing up. And the last 12 hours of the game, I just 
put my character in the security room and walked away for 45 minutes because there was nothing to do. I didn't want to just go run around and kill things for 45 minutes. Like, I just want to be done, but I can't. That's what I did. I just wandered around and killed loads of stuff, and I thought it was quite fun. I just experimented a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's just I was kind of ready to be done by that point. Well, I mean, and let's talk about that, because this game really would benefit from just a raw sandbox mode, right? Like, where that was just the objective or, like, some creative kill trophies or... I don't know. It just feels like that is the one thing missing, but they did it so well in the other games, it kind of doesn't matter. This is a first game in a a very new genre and a very series that's really successful for doing what it does. Right. Yeah, I feel like this one laid very, very solid groundations for Dead Rising 2. Very solid groundations. Uh, (laughs) Should we take some listener questions? Sure. Facebook.com slash group slash factory seal podcast. First one comes from... Um, Jeremy Sanford, what person not personally connected to you would you be bummed to find out to find as a zombie in the zombie apocalypse? Jeremy Sanford. Ooh, I'd say Mila Jovovich because I've seen her kill a ton of zombies. So to see that she has fallen victim to it, I'd know we'd all be screwed. Margot Robbie, she's too hot to be a zombie true but then that could that could ignite a whole new fetish for you dan i'm, I'm gonna stick away i'm gonna stick away stay away from the necrophilia i think true Good yeah call. I, I i don't know that i have any one person i think there are a lot of people that i would be really really upset if i found out survived the zombie apocalypse yeah, like next an like next door's beagle uh, yeah oh yeah that little fucker's gonna live through anything despite me throwing him into the wood chipper it's just gonna be a bunch of little p- pieces barking at me you know. <laughs> How did you survive the zombie apocalypse? God. Uh, James Hall, preferred weapon if a zombie apocalypse were to happen. Miniature chainsaw. I'd go with a flamethrower. I, th- I yeah. feel like that's kind of, they could keep coming at you. They don't know they're on fire. If Dead Rising taught me anything, it's how ineffective firearms would be in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I'm going to go with lawnmower again. <laughs> I, I'm quite happy with the samurai sword, to be honest. Wood yeah, chipper. Yeah, yeah. Wood um, chipper. Yeah. Bulldozer. I'm a big fan of the paddle saw of Dead Rising 2, which is a big long stick with two chainsaws oh, on yeah. either side of it. That's yeah, a good one that you can like flip around like a helicopter blade. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a good choice. Or, the, or also Chuck's motorbike, where he's got uh, chainsaws strapped to the front. See, also I think most terrific cardio. Would, <laughs> most people would probably go for something bullet based, but like that's got a finite usage to it. Yes, you're going to run out of ammo eventually. You want something that's going to sever the head nice and cleanly very quickly, which is why I'm thinking a sword or a chainsaw. Pretty damn or good. Or a sledgehammer. Yeah, the machete is actually a good choice because it's a weighted blade. All the weight's in the front, so you don't have to swing it that hard to lop off a head. I think that's, that's the way to true. go. That's true. Good, good thinking, Zach. I knew we brought Thanks. you on for a If reason. only Tom was here, he could have advised us properly. Yeah, but he kills like living just regular people not expecting it. I think it's a totally different thing when something's coming at you for, specifically for your brains. You know, I mean, but I, maybe, I would, you know. I would, I would quite like to use servbot masks to put them on zombie heads as well. Just to... yes. Well, I mean, think about that though. The servbot is Watch like the me. ultimate protection from zombies trying to eat your brains. They're fucking never getting through that thing, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. Maybe just like plastic bags, and you just cinch it around their head. Hmm. Things yeah. to think about. 
Mark for Marcheshi, our inevitable future. <laughs> do you think this game had an influence on people accepting roguelite popularity? Is this a roguelite? I wouldn't say so. I, I wouldn't um, think so It's either. more of an open world I, sandbox, I, if anything. I, I get the thought process, but I don't know that this would have if you didn't like this kind of game before I don't think Dead Rising really did enough to the whole hey you have a finite amount of time I will say that it did a hell of a lot for games that tried to actively put a ton of things on screen at the time oh yeah because I mean there wasn't even a PC game that could really do it when Dead Rising first came out like this is remarkable and it wasn't through trickery either it's not like those zombies in the back are just 2D images like that's an actual zombie back there yeah oh I mean think about this for a second Think about the amount of zombies that you see on screen here and the fact that outside of Dead Rising, the next game that did that as successfully was Days Gone. I mean, and there's like a 15-year gap there because nothing else out there puts as many zombies on screen as this game as successfully as this does. Yeah. Did you guys know that they remade this for the Wii? Did they? Yes, Yes. they did. There's a Uh, version called Dead Rising Chop to Your Drop, which is kind of... Very heavily based on the original, but it's kind of more for the for the Wii, so it's a greater emphasis on shooting. Yep, and, and looks like a bit jank- looks really modern. janky. Yeah, it wasn't good, but it's an interesting ad. In fact, if you go look up this game and all the expansions, there's like twenty games in this series. If you add expansion packs in, twenty. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of like add-ons, like the you know Operation Frank West and a couple of those for part two and three like there's tons of expansions for these games oh yeah the dead dead rising 2 off the record is basically dead rising 2 remade but frank is the protagonist rather than yeah Chuck. yeah i mean which and I've, it, it's, which I've it's never a story played. franchise which is good for 10 years so basically it's it's kind of like they change up some of the um psychopaths as different things happen like you have the the camera again because you don't have the camera as truck when you're playing as frank and there's also an entirely different new um, section which opens um, Uranus Zone, a theme park. I remember Uranus Zone. <laughs> that's God, it, that's really Capcom. interesting. I like to play that sometime because I've never played it. I thought that's what you and I played multiplayer of was off no, the record. No, I've only ever played Dead Rising 2, not off the record. Interesting. I thought we played... Yeah, I thought we played it. Uh, hmm. Next question is from Cody Halverson. The most memorable things in these games for me were the goofy things you could wear and the bosses. Did any of you have a favorite boss or wearable item in this playthrough? I played through the entire game in a floral dress with uh, gray hair and biker sunglasses. <laughs> I actually dressed up in a really spiffy looking suit for the most part, but then about... On overtime mode, he gets stripped naked if you get captured by the security forces, and then I just played the rest of the game in his underpants. Heck yeah. Um, In terms of bosses, I think my favorite boss is probably the the crazy cult leader in the theater. I quite like that one. His death was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And really gruesome. He has like this kind of bust like a mannequin doesn't he with the sword yep. through it and it falls down and just impales him through the eye brilliant i really <laughs> I mean, the mega man outfit's obviously the best one to go with but that's an unlockable yeah my favorite boss is by far the confederate fuck I, I don't remember his name i think it's cletus something but as a northerner anytime i have a chance to destroy anybody in 
you know, the Confederacy. It's 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 an ingrained thing in me. <laughs> uh, Dalton Sutor says, is this the Dead Rising with the Bucket Helmet of Doom weapon? It's not. That's, I believe that's Dead Rising 2 where you get combo weapons. Also, what game would be fun with an undead nightmare style zombie edition? I feel like any game that's worth doing that has already done it. Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> oh God, I don't no know. No one like stops early, Mr. Domino. <laughs> the, the mid to late two thousands cool really spot. hit the zombie modes really hard. Yeah, I don't and think we need more zombies. We don't need more zombies. I'm sorry, but I, I did I enjoy. You, I did you enjoy your Dead Man Nightmare a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with zombies as a theme, but I think you have to come up with a new and creative way to do it, which is, again, why I liked uh, Days Gone after I finally got into it, because it was just like a slightly different spin. I uh, But Days it's Gone. kind of been done to death. Yeah. Especially now that it works with the decent frame rate. Yeah, it was just, I loved it. I platinumed it and everything. It was great fun. Nice. Um, Hesley Haddy has two questions, as always. Do the sequels get better, or is this considered the peak of zombie mayhem? The sequels get better. Um, yeah, I'd say it. I, but I still love this one. I, I mean, oh, I've never I played. Too. I've never played three. Four seems fun. I'm not very far into it. But Dead Rising Two, I remember having so much fun with Dead well, Rising Two. That takes 2. place in in Las Vegas, so you're going through casinos. Yes, loved it. That one didn't have the timer on it, did it? I think uh, it was yes, three it did. Yes, it did. Did it? Yeah. No. It was three uh, or four where they started pulling back. I haven't played four. Uh, but I, I will say it like this, like Dead Rising for me is an A and then two is probably an A plus and then we get into like S tier. So I'm really hoping four is as good. Give it a try, Zach, because I've been playing it the past few days and it's just a lot of fun. The, the weapons have got more ridiculous. There's no time limit. The outfits are more ridiculous. It plays nice. It's just good fun. Excellent. I'll have to give it a shot. Um... Hesley's second question. Do you think Nintendo releasing the N64 for their online service is better than them releasing an N64 Mini? And would you get the N64 wireless controller? I'm going to say no, it's not better because knowing Nintendo's track record for how long it takes them to put out anything worth playing on their online service, I don't think we're going to see many great N64 games off the bat. There's licensing issues with a lot of N64 titles as well. Yeah, especially a lot of the good ones are rare, and that's owned by Microsoft now. So, mm-hmm. sorry, you have games like Goldeneye that are uh, just in licensing hell that are never going to make it. And not that Goldeneye is like the reason to own a Nintendo sixty four, but I agree. Like so many of those games are just lost in rights hell. Um, I'm not particularly excited about the the controllers, but I do like Switch as a service. Because I think they will, as long as they keep it up like they do with the Nintendo and Super Nintendo games, I'll be fine with it. Because I really don't mind getting, um, you know, like a free game every so every once in a while, as long as I'm not paying a huge amount. Now, if that subscription price is another $20 a year, fuck all that. Yeah. But, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they have in mind. But I've always, I have long hated the Nintendo 64 controller, so buying like a good. new updated version is not a good idea for me. No. Yeah, I no, it's hate good it. if you've got four hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I can't come up with a use case where another controller just isn't wildly better, and any of the Nintendo sixty four games. <laughs> right. 
that is it for questions this week. If you want to find the questions post, I put them out every time we've got a retro show going up. It's on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash factory sealed podcast. Awesome. Can we talk about the fact of how pissed I am that the Japanese get the six button controller for the Genesis version of that service and we get the three button version? Like, I'm really angry about that. The Genesis six button controller is great. And we get the many games that actually used it. No, Uh, not really. I mean, the Street Fighter's dead, but you just need it. You just got to have it. Well, I bought one when the Genesis mini came out and I'm pretty sure that's going to work on the switch. I hope so. But I just, I'm so pissy about that. Like every time, again, I just come back to like, why wouldn't you release the better controller? Since, yeah. you know, it took you years to get there. Like, the Genesis 3-button controller is one of the worst controllers on Earth. And the D-pad will maim you because it's built so bad. So Yeah, uh, I mean, I've said this before, me. but who <laughs> ever thought it'd be a great idea to put three buttons in a row? Yeah. And then somebody's like, here, hold my beer. I'm going to put two rows of three in a row. This is The 6-button controller is just still bad. Yeah. Look, these things are character building, lads. I grew up with that controller, right? Oh, so did I. Look so how did fast I. I finish games nowadays. Yeah, well, probably just want to get through it so you can stop suffering. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still kind of, like, again, I'm in that place with just like Nintendo games. Like, what Genesis games are you going to put in there that are not AAA games that I would want to play? Like, there's no chance any of the renovation games are ever coming over, right? Like, they'll never do anything like Splatterhouse or anything like that. So I'm kind of left in a place where I go, why do I want a Mega Drive on my Switch when I could just load up my Mega Drive Mini with a bunch of ROMs and have a better experience? Or my RetroPie. Or, yeah, or just buy a Mega SG. Is If that's if I really want the penultimate Genesis experience, like, I'm going to go buy the analog product to do that uh, because that'll at least get the sound right. Yeah, I feel, right. I feel like most of the audience for Mega Drive on the Switch is probably the kind of people who've been emulating for years anyway. So yeah, yeah, I kind of so I don't get it. Um, but you know what? Hey, I'm not going to complain because the closer we get to the original V, uh, or I'm sorry, Wii Virtual Console, the better. Okay. Like that was this a really magical. It was. It was a great time uh, to be a gamer because you really could go back and get like a $700 game for five bucks. Yep. Um, and I just, I do not understand why there's such a stumbling block at Nintendo to, you know, to embrace things that people want to buy from you or actively waving cash in your face saying, hey, if you just do this, I'll pay you. Right. Um, and then, you know, and you come back to that and you go like, yes, but this is the same company that just said, hey, you can have Bluetooth audio support, but you can't use your head. You can't use your microphone. <laughs> Brilliant, Nintendo. Yeah, thank you, Nintendo. It's right up um, there with playstation doing the uh, game trials but you can only have them for five hours and that five hours starts when you start downloading them not when you start playing them like, yeah so the if you've fuck? got header net you're trying trials <laughs> up before you've even finished downloading like who the fuck thought this was a good idea <laughs> um coming up on the show two a month from now we will be doing resident evil code veronica we're going to make a flip-flop here we were supposed to be doing system shock but tom had the great idea to do resident evil code veronica uh the last late great Resident Evil before the series shifted into not Resident Evil and then after that System Shock and I think we have that's it for the year then and we've got our game of the oh year yeah will be won't it yeah yep 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 yep, yep 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 two weeks from now we'll be doing our next side quest which if you haven't listened to uh, it's on all the services as just side quest I think it's factory sealed side quest type in factory sealed you'll find us 
And then, uh, oh, Patreon. We are on patreon.com slash factory sealed. A dollar gets you our unwrapped episodes. And I think there's 140 some out of those. $5 gets your name read out at the end of the credits and gets you access to our Q&As, which I still need to put mine up from September. I've been a little bit behind on. And I think Tom is next. So I'll be making a post on that. Um, But until then, fellas. Zach, thanks for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. I can always show I, uh, up and talk shit about games. Nice, nice to wheel you out for your annual uh, nose whistle. This episode of Factory Sealed is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon sponsors, with an extra special thank you to Zach Foley, Santos Lopez, Sarah Irvine, Samuel Chun, Jeremy Lucas, Miles Prower, Nicholas Bradley, Jordan Lawfrey, Stephanie, John Weaver, Richard Cutris, Thomas McGrew, Phil Gartside, Jason McGill, Haitani Spindash, Wes Rainey, Sholto, Mark Haddock, Dalton Suter, Colin Neblo, Juliet Breslin Romano, Gus Robin, Hesley Hattie, Elliot Hughes, Aaron Lanning, Brandon Meyer, Greg Plummer, and Johan Vickerborn.